All right, there will be bourbon is back for the first episode post election, which I do believe is still going on. I still don't think they've figured that out at this point. But yep. tonight, yeah, so <laughs> can confirm we've got confirmation. So tonight I will be joined in the glass consumption business of bourbon with Eddie McClintock. Sir, yeah. how are you? I'm good, Eric. Thank you for having me on, man. Absolutely. Uh, I hear you're, what are you, like an actor or something? That's what I've been told. But, yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I will not uh, confirm nor deny that in a crowded room. Okay, so I'm going to confirm it for him because I got a, a, a long and lengthy list of all Mr. Uh, Mr. McClintock's accomplishments. And there's a really good one at the end that we'll get to. But so Netflix series, No Good Nick, which if our Nick, Nick guys out there listening, he may agree. There is no good Nick. Um, regular appearances on USA Network, Shooter and Bones. He's known for his role in sci-fi's Warehouse 13. Coming out with, so this is new, The Mighty Ducks on Disney yeah. Plus. Nice, yeah. bringing back The Mighty Ducks because who doesn't love kids in hockey, right? I mean. That might be a secret, but Ooh. not anymore. Not That's anymore. okay. That's okay. <laughs> Emilio Estevez, Young Guns, good times. I grew up so, on that. So I mean, awesome. So yeah. awesome. Young yeah. Guns 1 and 2, you know, the spirit world and my flower and all that stuff. Breakfast great. Club. That's, yeah, that's I was. He, I grew up with him, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, brat pack. You know? I'm more of a men at work guy with Emilio Estevez. Remember men at, did you see sure. men at work? Okay. Men at work with Charlie Sheen. That's Charlie. That's the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the commie bastard gets no food. That's a great line. <laughs> that one. Um, and so here's what I had to get because, you know, my grandmother, bless her heart, 88 years old. She's probably never going to see this or even know about it, but maybe I'll tell her next month. So you were in a lifetime movie. I love this called my stepfather's secret and you were you co-starred with vanessa marcille yes name right? yes yeah. so vanessa marcille general hospital which i was forced to watch growing up because my grandmother i would come home from school and spend time with my grandmother a big yeah. general hospital fan vanessa marcille by far the first celebrity crush i ever had in my life remember it clear as i, I don't blame you and I am now envious of you and I'm probably going to go try and track down this movie and see just what exactly took place between the two of you, because I think we're off to a good start, Eddie. I like you. You like, you like what's happening so far? I, do. I don't want to be jealous completely and have to turn my jealousy into uh, a fit of celebrity rage. Well, I don't want that. But, don't, please don't cancel me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then as we progress down this bio of length, as I said, he, you were the best actor in the, uh, a fish story by the yeah. Burbank International Film Festival. That's pretty legit, man. You, someone thought you were the best actor at the time for an entire year. That's, that's gotta make you feel good. We were the only entry. That's all that matters. So. They, everyone else was too afraid to go against you. That's, that's right, that's right. like I say, man, Eddie, like, look, there's only one country on speed dial when shit hits the fan in the world and it's the United States, all right? So if they're calling you or they're, they're nominating and awarding you, hey, it is what it is. This is how we roll. I'll take it. I'll That's take right. It. Uh, and let me refer to one more thing. Uh, this is what I wanted to get into because also as Eddie's career has been, you know, the, the bricks have been laid upon the foundation of success, which, which he is. He was also in 2011, number 82. 
in the 100 most sexiest man alive or actually i don't know if it was alive or on tv whatever it was on film let's but just you were, go with alive yeah alive we'll do that so you were number 82 uh, yeah and i wanted to ask you this did you know who number 83 was i do not i cannot remember hugh dancy who was it hugh dancy don't know who that is i saw his face you definitely beat him out um what else do you got number 81 the guy right in front of you daniel day kim okay you're, you're okay with that one yeah why not i mean i'm not i mean he's 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 done well though uh and then here's the kicker this is what i want people to know so 2011 number 80 the guy closing out the 80s michael b jordan there you go yeah there you go. that guy has done some stuff since um i don't yeah. think he's two places ahead of you but you know i don't make i didn't it wasn't my list you know what I mean? You know, it's a popularity contest. It really so. is. It must be because number one was a guy named Matt uh, Bomer. Oh, yeah. I don't know I Matt Bomer. I assume this is guy. your circle. You may know him. Good guy. All right. We'll take your word for Good it. Guy. Good guy. Never heard of her, though. So, um, but that's where we're at. That's uh, this is what Eddie McClintock is. He's, a, he's a, an accomplished on the rise. He's an accomplished actor. Now, here's what I want to here's what I want to know about you, sir. So. Yes. Yes. You, you didn't take the, and this is something you can definitely uh, school us up on because I don't even know what a traditional route into Hollywood is, but it doesn't sound like you took one. Yeah. Um, so you were born in Ohio. Yeah. 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 Born in Canton, Ohio. Hall of Famer. NFL. What's that? NFL Hall of Fame right there. Canton, oh yeah. Uh, used to go to the Hall of Fame game every year and sat next to Gail Sayers and his wife one year. The bears. And I just had my knee scoped, you know, so I was on crutches and, you know, I kind of played it up. I was like, yeah. You know, yeah, man. Football, and, you know, injury, <laughs> you know, Claymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> front toward enemy. Um, so, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I grew up there, grew up playing sports. You know, my, yeah. my dad, uh, wrestled and played football his whole life, went to Miami of Ohio and played football. And so growing up, um, you know, he used to take my my dad and my mom couldn't stand each other. So my dad would take me to football games every weekend and wrestling matches every weekend. And, you know, that's, that's what I did growing up. I played football and, and wrestled. Okay. And so then you went into college, um, I think you were communications and then design get into that as well right yeah so, i went in uh, go ahead no you're good no you go ahead <laughs> uh yeah you know um was thinking about playing football visited some division three schools in ohio mm -hmm. but you know i was 170 pounds and slow so um decided to wrestle instead i went to a division stool, uh, division school in in uh, Dayton, Ohio, Wright State University in Dayton. I do know Wright State. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right there by the Wright Pad Air Force Base. Um, saw the SR seventy one land. Oh, you know, before it, before it before it was uh, decommissioned there. Um, yeah, and you know, wrestled and and uh, smoked weed and drank beer out of other people's shoes and. <laughs> <laughs> So the college wrestling life, uh, so, uh, so you may not know this. I was a, a mediocre college baseball player myself once upon a time. Oh, well, college athlete. I, you weren't baseball. I was. Um, but yeah, I did the same thing. Down in Florida. Um, 
No, I actually went to college up in New York, upstate New York, Oswego State University, small school. My 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 most significant memory was not a lot of things uh, baseball related, but I do remember we were coming back from a road trip, and our locker room for the entire all the sports it was underground technically, right? And uh, Bush, the band at the time, this was I don't know ninety nine two thousand, like at the height of the Bush thing. They were performing at our school that that night. And so we got back just as they were using the wrestling locker room to change in. And here comes Gavin Rossdale through the through the little hallway. And you got, I don't know, 25 obnoxious college baseball players coming off a road trip. And yeah. Gavin Rossdale is well, he is super small. Like, I don't know. How big are you? Did he have a singlet on? No, he didn't. I I still remember black jeans, you know, he had like a jacket, leather jacket and all. I'm five eleven and three quarters, so I'm, I'm. My dad was six six two, but I was a mama's boy, so I, I never mm. made it. Th- but people are like, dude, si- just say six feet. Yeah, you're you're six two on paper, so I'm six two on paper. Um, okay. so about the same, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so I remember this guy Clear's Day. He was a, he was I was a freshman. He's the funniest dude I've ever known in, in in sports, at least. This guy Pat Leclaire, he was our shortstop. We're walking through. And all of a sudden, Gavin Rossdale comes out and uh, Pat's like talking shit and doing whatever because we had had a successful little road trip. And all of a sudden, he sees Gavin Rossdale and he's like, hey, Gav, and like goes right up into his face like, hey, Gav. And Gavin Rossdale's like, this, he, he must be all of 5'7 and 140 pounds. Like he's, he's tiny. And Gavin Rossdale just like had his hands in his pocket and like pulls his hand out. And he's like, hey, guys. It just keeps walking. <laughs> I was just like, this is. Hollywood this, moment. Yeah, man. This is rock star Gavin Rossdale, which I remember like this wasn't that long after. I don't know if you knew. I don't know if you're into Bush or knew anything, but you know, and that was high school for me. So I remember Bush at Wadapalooza. What? No. Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza. I think it was. Yeah. I'm thinking of fucking CrossFit shit. Lollapalooza. And, but it was him performing glycerin by himself. So he was in front of like 50,000 people. It was a pretty cool performance. Rock and I always, up. yeah, I always look back on that. I'm like, that's that's some pretty cool shit to pull off live you know in front of that many yeah. people but uh it yeah so that was my bush moment it takes uh it takes a pair to perform in front of people like that i think and you were you were a wrestler yeah um there goes hey, there goes your wife no yeah there she goes there goes my this is eddie, Say hi, eddie. she's hi. going to do like charity stuff i don't know she's way way above my pay grade um so <laughs> how long have you been married well, I'm not. So oh. that's an easy well, question. Oh, yeah, but, so I'll shut the hell up then. Yeah, no, but we've we've been together for about a year, going on a year oh, soon, coming oh, up. There you go. Uh, yeah, big, yeah. big, uh, big anniversary coming up. I'll have to figure something out. Probably drink. Oh, that's hold on. So look, Eddie, look, I don't know if I you know the name. They take her to a restaurant, but you'd have to sit no. away from her. Yeah. So we could kind of do stuff in Napa until you know Mr. Newsom recently ruined. Oh, so, it for all so you're world. in California. I am. Now hold oh. on. Because I, I am I am spiraling completely away from the the, the poorly thought out business plan of the or model of this show. So okay. what I like to do to fuel this discussion, obviously, as some of you have watched this show, not many of you, but some of you have, you understand <laughs> it. It's called there will be bourbon. So there will be bourbon tonight. Eh, not not really. Uh, I'm drinking something in kind of in honor of the thespian nature of Mr. Eddie McClintock. It is. A Midwinter's Night's Dram by oh. High West Distillery, right? Like they're paying homage to Shakespeare. Were you ever a Shakespeare guy, Eddie? 
very hoity-toity of you. Uh, yeah. No, no, me either. Never really got into Shakespeare. But anyway, it's not even bourbon. It's rye. So remember. I'll drink a Diet Coke with you. Oh, cool. All bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. So this is rye, right? So it's a blend of uh, 16-year and a six-year. Uh, the 16-year, I still believe, is sourced. And the six-year is homegrown at the High West Distillery in Utah. Uh, Eddie's going to drink a Diet Coke. More of a Diet Pepsi guy myself, but, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, yeah, well, we're about the same size. We might have to wrestle this one off, man. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know what weight class you're in these days. Than me, I think. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. I read your bio. I'll. I'll. I'll let you. I'll let you yeah. get away with it, man. No. Now you never know. You might still have a few. You're. If you're an actual wrestler, I'm. I'm more of a like. I guess got to survive on cardio, which isn't good at going against a wrestler because that's all you guys have. But. Well, that's not all that we have, actually. Well. You're right. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so that's what's going to be have, fueling this discussion. You have the required uniform. Come on, Eric. Jeez. Do you have a singlet? Tights. Tights. Um, so, yeah, was, so you do you do like reviews of, of bourbon on the show? Not really. I don't really review them. I just kind of talk about whatever I'm drinking that night. And I try to do something new every night. So, or not every night, but every every one of these that I do. So, yeah, I don't I don't really I, review. I would anything. drink with you, but I'm um, 20 years uh, clean and sober. So, how's that? Uh, well, that's pretty fucking amazing. There's no way I could do that. But I, I give you all. It, it was it was for the best. It was for the best. So now that's where I kind of want to tie it into, right? So let's let's okay. weave it back. Cause yeah, yeah. I, you know, I do my research. I, I, I go deep into Wikipedia. Okay. Wikipedia says you were about 30 when you stumbled into Hollywood and made your first appearance. So that's what I brought up, right? You didn't take yeah. the traditional path. I don't even know what a traditional path in the Hollywood is. I still, to this day, have no idea how anybody makes it or does anything or gets on a show. How did it work for you? What did you do? Well, I would say, first of all, the traditional path would be somebody who played little, was the lead in Little Abner in high school. And okay. then, you know, maybe went to Juilliard or NYU or, you know, some school went to, through, got a theater arts degree and then, you know, uh, then moved to LA or New York to, to pursue an acting career. And that, that definitely wasn't my path. Um, like I said, I was I was wrestling, um, and not well. Um, you know, <laughs> That's like my baseball career. That's why I'm in the uh, army. Yeah, you know? I was, I, I I was on baseball the team. college, just not well. And then 9/11 happened, and it figured it all out for me. So yeah. Oh man, you know, I I take my hat off to you for that. That's for sure, man. That's that's putting your money where your mouth is, my friend. Well. So. It was more of a, like, what else was I going to do, you know? But anyway, it's about you. Yeah, there were, <laughs> there, there were things you could have done. Um, so, yeah, I uh, wrestled for three years. Um, yeah. You know, was a complete maniac. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, it took me six years to get through school. I, after three <laughs> years of uh, wrestling, I decided that I, had, I was done. Yeah. Um, you know, it was my a big part of my identity for 12 years yeah. and I wrestled yeah. for 12 years and so uh you know started hanging out with some theater arts people I was a I was going to be a, an art major a you know graphic mm -hmm. art fine yeah. art major um 
realized there was real no real money to be made in that. I mean, you know, maybe yeah. one at a in a million or billion or whatever. So I got my degree in business communications, whatever that is. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, my my senior project, um, I did it on a male prosthesis. Um, and back in olden times, before um, Viagra, <laughs> they actually had a man had to have a surgery where they put a rigid rod yeah. thing into the penis. So I did this giant um, illustration, a, a, a cross section of a, a giant dick with a prosthesis in it. And then I went up and did like a 25 minute stand up routine on my on my prosthetic <laughs> diagram of a dick. And, um, and you know, um, I killed, history, right? I killed, yeah. <laughs> I killed my, my, um, my professor, you know, uh, interestingly, I, I saw him in the, in the, um, elevator and he, he said to me, he said, you know, Eddie, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a passing grade, not by much. But um, I just want you to know that I know who you are. I, I see who you are. And uh, you're better than, than that. And uh, okay. that really stayed with me for a long time. At the time, I laughed it off because... Because yeah, that's what we yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, because I was, you know, a maniac. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so... My uh, my uncle had an insurance company out in L.A. and he he would only ever see me when I would come out to visit. And when I'd come out to visit, I'd put on my, you know, my uh, Bushwood, my Bushwood Country Club uh, attire and, and I could play that role. And so he yeah. never really knew who I was. He only saw what I wanted him to see. So yeah. he asked me to uh, come out and sell corporate insurance for him. And, um, you know, I wanted to get out of Ohio and I always like, you know, loved film and television yeah. and stuff like that. So I, uh, I said, sure. And I moved out and then he fired me after seven months. Um, I had my own office uh, on, <laughs> on uh, Santa Monica Boulevard and mm -hmm. uh, it was, I could see the ocean. I had my own yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a good deal. You know, yeah. he was grooming me for LA country club and the Jonathan club. And, you know, he's a pretty big deal. And, um, I just couldn't pull it off. You know, I mean, the veneer started to crack after, you know, it didn't take long. And, so, uh, so. and I don't blame him for, for what he did. He had every right to do that. And, um, luckily, um, you know, because I turned my life around and got serious about, mm. you know, the, the direction of my life um i've made my mia culpa to he and my aunt and he does all our insurance now and when i when i won that award for uh for a fish story i got to get up and and speak and i he was in the audience and i and oh, i got cool. to thank him and you know officially publicly apologize for my yeah. you know misguided youth so that was that was cool but um so after he fired me, um, yeah, I played frisbee and smoked weed for a year and a half and collected unemployment. And um, and then someone asked me if I wanted to be a production assistant, which was, you know, that we're kind of, I always said we were kind of the Marine Corps of the 
the production, you were the first ones there, were the last ones to leave, and we got all the shittiest jobs, you know? Um, okay, uh, so I would, I would correct you going forward. You're not the last to leave. That's the Army. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, that we'll, We won't turn this into a Marine Corps bashing game, but no, that's good. I, I like where you're going with it. All right, we'll, yeah. we'll fine tune it as you move forward. All right, all right. All right. We'll, but we'll yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Talk <laughs> Call my people. I will. Um, I got the number now. So. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so I did that for a while and, and I was still drinking and, um, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I, I partied really hard and, and I was a lot of fun to be around for a really long time. And, um, and then, uh, you know, I just kind of went off, um, in a different direction and, um, and started getting into stuff that, you know, I just shouldn't have gotten into. Um, I, I, I had, I had a lot of growing up to do, you know? Right, so yeah, I yeah. did, I did that for a couple of years, you know, was not good at that. Production assistant, or is that what you weren't good at? Per, being a production assistant. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to uh, ask, is that what they usually do? Do those guys tend to parlay into small parts or whatever? Is that kind of, the, no, they like no? they're, they're in production, right? So okay. a production assistant starts out thinking they're going to go into either camera department okay, or gotcha. production or directing or whatever, not, not acting. Yeah. Definitely behind the scenes stuff. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and you're way too good looking for that, as we already know. Number well, it 82. That, it says that in my bio, for God's yeah, sake. That does. Leading man. That's right. Seamlessly I paid, I paid five grand for that. See that? Oh, five damn. Yeah, yeah. I feel you could have got that just from fucking wrestling a little bit longer if you drink that shit in. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I had thought about doing some acting. I, you know, as I, one day I was uh, doing a Pringles commercial and I had to pull these kids that were on a skateboard. I had to pull them across the frame of the camera. And they're like the one dude, you know, he's like a surfer looking dude. And he looked at me and he was like, man, what are you, why are you doing this? He goes, you should be doing what I'm doing. You know, and then after work, he went over and got into his, you know, awesome jeep and squealed yeah. and i i had my uh, caprice classic with no hey that's, that's legit that's a good that was a good car back then man yeah yeah and and it had <laughs> one of the windows had been broken out because i okay yeah all my uh dirty laundry i had put it all in the back seat and someone broke in and and stole all <laughs> my dirty laundry Hey, the homeless in California, as you know, will do anything for clothes. They, you know, I, I, was at, I was walking down the street and some bum, his balls were hanging out of my underwear. I was like, I, dude, you know what? Can I, can I interrupt real quick with a great story from Afghanistan based on what you yes. just said? So, all right. <clears throat> I already told you I went to, I'm from Orlando. I, I went to the University of Central Florida. I've graduated from that school. At, this was post baseball up there in New York. When okay. I finally went, cause like I said, dropped out, joined the army and then went back to school. Oh, okay. So no shit. There I am 2013 in Afghanistan, Kabul. Um, uh, my friend Tia, who's like my little sister to me had sent me for Christmas that year, a university of central Florida Knights t-shirt and it's gold. Uh, this was right when UCF had started to kind of come onto the scene and, and be actually decent in football. And I'm wearing that shirt and I, I would wear it all the time. I would wear that. And then 
the way we lived. So I had my room and then I'd have to go out into the hallway and then walk down the hallway to the actual bathroom to where the shower and the actual sink was. So every morning I'd go in there, I'd leave my shirt, put my shirt back on, come back to, you know, my room, get changed, go to work, whatever, do for that day. Well, one of these days I didn't do it. And I knew it immediately. I got up into my office. And I was like, fuck, I left my shirt in the damn, there's a cat over here. Why? Why do you have to do this? Anyway, so. <laughs> it's so I, I know, I, I, I know I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my office. I'm fucking like, oh, fuck, I forgot my, my shirt and everything. I'm like, I'll just go down at lunchtime. So I go down at lunch and of course my shirt is missing. It's gone. I'm like, who the, f now get it. I'm in a unit from Orlando. So I'm like, all right, someone was in my unit, stole my shirt, trying to play a joke or whatever. I don't see, I, I ask everybody that I know. I'm like, did, did you get anybody pick up this fucking shirt? Cause it, it's a small compound there. You can't go anywhere. This is not a very big place. Like nobody's coming in and off the base without, I'm going to know if someone's got my shirt. Right. I don't see shit. Three weeks goes by. Finally, I'm like randomly walking through the halls after something. And I'm, I'm, I'm and whatever I'm doing, it has, makes no sense because it's leading me to an entirely separate direction. And I'm walking through this tent and all of a sudden I see one of the Afghan like cleaning crew workers with my shirt on. And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, hey, man, I like that shirt. That's a nice shirt. You're like, where'd you get that? And he's like, oh. I, I like the school. I, I, I like the shirt. I like it oh. a lot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, so do I. I fucking went to the school and that's my shirt. Take it off. And I made that fucker take my shirt off right then and there. And, right. and I got my shirt back. I still have that shirt to the day, to this day. If I would have known we'd have veered off into this, I, I'd have worn it. But yeah. So kind of like, you know, what the homeless do They'll the Afghan guy wasn't homeless. He had a job with the United States government as a contractor sweeping the floors and shit, but he stole my fucking shirt. I got it back. That's the moral of the story. Remember, don't give up the hunt for your stolen clothing. You may find it anyway. You got to fight for your right to wear UCF. Yeah. And the end of party. All right. So I have, I have all right. a shirt, take off your shirt story. Yeah. Oh, go uh, for it. I had a buddy of mine who uh, was uh former USMC and he had sent me some so uh, a shirt friends but anyway go ahead. and uh so I had this USMC shirt on right yep and uh I'm at I'm at the uh CVS which is you know the pharmacy kind of thing here and yep. uh, some older guy turns around and he's like hey you in the core <laughs> and I go no, no, friend gave this to me and he goes, take that goddamn shirt off. <laughs> That's fair. And I and I fucking <laughs> I fucking started to take it off. And he was like, nah, hell, I'm fucking with you. You know, he's an old nom vet. And yeah. uh, but you know what? Never wore it again, man. Yeah. It, you it's... know, like I just was like, no, no, you know, I mean. I want to, I want to show, I wanted, the only reason I wore it is just to. Yeah. You were just doing the, you're just supporting. You are, you're not trying to, you're not doing the stolen valor thing. No, or, no. Know, yeah. Yeah. I no, but it. I did. I took the purple heart off and, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, got rid of that, but um, yeah. So that was embarrassing. And uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't wear that shirt anymore. 
I mean, no one should wear a Marine Corps shirt, you know? And it's, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I always thought I, I always I got a lot of Marine Corps. I just love fucking with them. We, we fuck with each other. It is what it is, you know? But. I, I always figured um, I would have ended up in the Marine Corps, you know, because I was you know, yeah, family recruiting post-orbital ridge, you know, <laughs> brow. You well, go you there. It's so... Oh, oh. <laughs> You, you had some rule well, in shooter, right? Where you was, what was your background in shooter? Were you a part of the military in that or no? Army, yeah. Army, see, so you did the right thing in Hollywood. That's good. And, and in, uh, in uh, Warehouse 13, I was former USMC, which was, which was my idea. I, I, uh, I went in, they, I sat down and they asked me, you know, what, what about your character? And I, you know, he was like, what? They were like, what do you like? And I was like, you know, Godzilla, comic books, the Marine Corps. Um, and so uh, they they integrated all that. And, and yeah. they integrated my sobriety into the show, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So we got a lot going on here. I just made a note because I want to come back to something. But I, I interrupted your, your traditional path that you did not take. So oh, your yeah. production assistant, you're doing a Pringles commercial. What? I, do you remember that guy who said, "Hey, what do you is he is he anything at this point?" No, just some dude. Who just yeah, I mean, I just it was an impactful moment for me. Yeah. You know? So like I, yeah, you've highlighted on too the the professor and now this like so there's clearly stuff yeah, that's stuck yeah. with you and it's kind of yeah. made you, you know, hey maybe I should kind of reassess what the fuck I'm doing. So yeah. from that moment, where'd you go next? Uh, you know, I was kind of creeping around with this girl and uh, she um. She was like, hey, I'm going to take an acting class. Do you want to take an acting class with me? So that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, sure. Yeah, that sounds cool. So I got into acting class. Um, I was in, it, I just so happened, um, Charlize Theron decided to go from being a model to being an actress at that time. So we were in the same class together. Wait, hold on. Okay, because that's like, she's definitely... Two days in the valley. Come on, I, I know. Yeah, sure. yeah that's yeah, like big, yeah. big, big crush time for me. Is where. But so wait a minute, because I, I was going to ask. I worked you, with her on uh, to prepare for uh, two days in the valley. Wow, this is fucking awesome. Okay, so that, that thing you do um, when she. That thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, so that's my thing. Okay, so here's what I got. I got two questions real quick because I this story. I'm I'm loving it. I like it, but I okay. got to. All right. Who actually teaches acting classes? Number that's like that's a serious question. Like I'm like, who actually teaches those? Because apparently this is a thing. And then the irony of the fact that you just happened to oh yeah, I'll take an acting class with some girl that you were dating at the time. And I don't know if this is the woman who became your wife. So I'm not trying yeah. to insult yeah. her. Okay, so some girl you're dating at the time, and you find yourself in an acting class with Charlize Theron, who you who wasn't Charlize Theron at that time. Right. Just, but still smoking, smoking. Yeah. Hot, and she would come. She and her friend uh, Ivana, they were both models, and they would come with to class with just like the wife beaters, no bra. It's on I mean, purpose. Doing it on purpose. Fine, <laughs> it was fine with me. Yeah, fine uh, with me. If ladies, uh, I mean, and you know, like you could just tell, you know, in in her work that she just was like you know, beautiful and, and fearless, man, you know, just, she would absolutely. She's also actually, there. she also comes across as a, actually a very intelligent person. She seems very yeah. fucking smart. Like she, like, 
hearing her speak, she doesn't sound like an idiot who's just like, I just uh, want to be famous. Yeah. You know what I mean? She, yeah. She grew up in South know. Africa. It's not like that's she, a, yeah, exactly. So that's so if you can get her on here next time when we talk, because like, how did you make it from South? So, okay. But anyway, this is about Eddie McClintock, not Charlize right. Theron. All right. That's so right, you're in an acting bring class. It, bring it back. Bring it, bring back. it back. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you helped her prepare for something. So anyway, you took an acting class. What took place? Where, where, where were we at? Um, How old you know, are you now? 30? Well, here's the thing. Um, I, I was um, doing it kind of for a kick, you know, yeah. I and mean, I, I didn't know I was still, you know, getting fucking wasted and um, partying and, and I, um, I had a scene partner, you know, what happens is you go in class and then the teacher says, okay, new scene this week. Um, so-and-so you're going to be with this person and this is the scene you're going to do. And then at the end of the week, you come and perform it for the class. And in the meantime, you meet up and you, you rehearse and right, you, know, right, right. you get it, you get it all done. And I, um, I remember I called my scene partner one morning, I'd been up all night and I called him from a seven 11 on this, it was called a pay phone. Yeah, um, you'd had to stand there and yeah. and one eight hundred collect dial down the center. It. And I and I was like, hey man, I'm so sorry, dude. I, <coughs> I'm not feeling so good. <laughs> I'm not gonna make rehearsal today. And my scene partner was like, that's fine, Eddie. I'm gonna get someone else because you're not um, you're not serious about this. And um, you know, that, that was another kind of touchstone moment for me, really. Yeah. You know, I was like, uh, okay, so. Um, what was that? Do you, what, do you remember? Were they anybody? No. no. See, I, I, I like I, this. I like it, man. Like this is, these are moments I don't, it's not just, it's not unique to you. I think these are moments that are unique to everyone. And that's kind of what the purpose that I've tried to touch into with this podcast is that when I talk to people, like everyone's got moments, they've got seminal moments. And it doesn't even, they don't even have to be people who've gone on to do anything in that field or whatever. It's just, these are things that woke you up to like, uh, yeah. all right, you know, it's exposed, it's forcing you to face the person in the mirror. Like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there you are. No shit. There you are. I, I, I uh, so, you know, I, I took a hard look at myself and I took a hard look at uh, where I was headed. And, um, you know, I mean, where I was headed was not the way I was raised, you know? Um, yeah. You know, to this day, the two, two of the most three influential men in my life beside my father are my high school wrestling coach and my high school football coach. Um, but I had veered so far away from all the things that, that they had, that they had taught me right. um, <clears throat> that um, I knew it was time to make a change. So I decided to get sober. And um, cause I didn't want to, I didn't, I had failed at the, I had failed at the uh, insurance. I had pretty much failed at production. And I think that that was my, this was basically my last chance to, uh, you know, either do something with my life or, or go back to Ohio and, you know, be that funny guy at third shift that everybody talks about, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and um so I got sober, man, and uh, had to had to cut out a lot of people in my life, um, and and got cut out of a lot of people's lives because 
I decided to make a different choice, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that, that was hard, but, um, but so I just went to class every night. I went to class, <clears throat> excuse me. You could only perform in your class, uh, you know, whatever time, but you could audit all the classes. And uh, the, the, the lady who I was studying with, her name is Ivana Chubbuck. She, um, Halle Berry thanked her when she won her Academy Award. Elizabeth Shue thanked her when she won her Academy Award. Um, Charlize thanked her when she won her Academy Award. I mean, I was in class with, I mean, you know, uh, Gary Shandling and uh, <laughs> that's, Bob that's Schneider. Like, and uh, I mean, you know, we had it was good just, timing award. Yeah, I was about to say, like, what fucking class was this? Do you have a school well, you want to like throw a shout out to or what? Well, Ivana, her name's Ivana Chubbuck, and she okay. is definitely one of the most yeah. highly respected coaches. Um, the girl that I was. Do they take know, the GI Bill there? Like, can I, can I, can I? Think I, can so. I Okay. Yeah. There we go. Hey, soldiers. I, I'll, I'll talk to her. I'll, you know, we're pals. Okay, good. There we go. We'll, yeah. We'll touch base later on this one. Cause all I right. got, I, it's, it's going to fall back into the comeback thing that I made a note of earlier, but anyway. Got it, right. got it. So, so um, <clears throat> got into class, started taking class, sat, went to every class. Um, a guy who I recognized from the usual suspects. Great fucking movie. He, he, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I love it. Such a great movie, but yeah. I, I love um, in movies, I love when the main character is on. I love to see what the guy over there is doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Of, I got like you. after I've watched the movie a few times, yeah, you start, start paying attention to what everybody. the other people are doing. Right. Yeah. And he was in there. I mean, he wasn't in there very long, but I recognized him right away. And I was like, dude, you were in the usual suspects. We became friends. Great guy. And he, went to his manager and he said, there's this kid, you know, he shows up to, he shows up prepared every week. He does great work. You should meet with him. So I met with him and, um, and, uh, you know, I was like 26 at the time. So way, way older than, um, you know, and I had no credits. I had no experience. Yeah. I had no credits. And he said to me, you know, normally I would never take someone with nothing, but because, um, because Pat, my friend, Pat, um, suggested you, um, I'll give you a chance. And my first audition was, it was a, uh, a was going to be a spinoff of married with children. Fuck. Yeah. Grew up on that one. Hey, I, it's the Diet Maybe. Coke, man. Diet Pepsi doesn't give right, me that. Diet yeah. Coke will do that to you. Uh, yeah, it was going to be a spinoff of Married with Children. So we would do a few episodes of Married with Children. And then we would spin off. And it was called Enemies. It was going to be like an antithesis of what Friends was, you know. And, um, I, like and it. So I went from my initial audition to the studio and then I went to the studio I went to the next level and then from the next level I went to the network so my first audition I I went all the way to a network test which was it was the, you know I mean it was the most intimidating thing that, that I had ever experienced um you know like just all right so what is that take take us through a network test so 
by the time you get to the network, it's, it's whittled down to either probably you and one other guy, maybe two other guys. How many um, are usually, do you think, are going? How many? How many usually out? try to, yeah. Where do you start at? Well, I mean, I'm, I'll, I would imagine that there were a, a thousand or so submissions. Holy Damn, that's way more than I was thinking. I was thinking so, you're gonna be so, like, ah, oh, it's so, like ten to fifteen, a thousand. So the, so the breakdown crazy. comes out, and yeah. then every agency in town gets the breakdown, gotcha. and they they submit every one people. of the actors from that agency, and then the casting director says, you know, unfortunately, the way it works out here is the the bottom percentage of the agencies don't even get looked at, so they yeah. they they um. They they look at the the top um, level agencies and and I had I was at a good agency at that time you know my manager who was uh, had worked at uh, ICM and and had mm. worked at William Morris and so he got me a good agent and so anyway yeah there uh, you are there I am and I had a I had a they bring you into well first of all you have to sign your contract. So I was going to go from making like four or $500 a week as a PA, as I had been yeah. to making my contract was for 25,000 per episode. So I was going to be making 25 grand a week and you know, Fuck I mean, yeah, you made it. <laughs> yeah, but well, you know, I mean, it's just an idea, right? It's like yeah. it's just an idea. Just an uh, idea. Until you, until you actually, uh, you actually get the job. But I went into the, you know, they took me into the um, the head of 20th Century Fox Television's off his office, mm -hmm. and there's a, and it was a relatively the office is about as big as my garage is a two to uh, car garage, you know, but there's about 30 network executives packed in and they're all either standing, Damn. the real important ones are sitting, but they're packed in, they put you in a chair in the middle of the room and they say, you know, dance monkey boy. And, um, and, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I hear this is like sitting for your doctorate, but okay. It sounds about yeah, instead, of, instead of doing the tango, I did the Spicoli, you know, that's, hey. all, I, that's all I could muster. And um, I, I really had an out of body experience. It was pretty traumatic. I, I, I was so nervous. So yeah. nervous. You know? How could you not? I mean, um, and um, especially cause I mean, I, I didn't know like really what I was doing. <laughs> exactly. You yeah. know, I was just kind of, I was just kind of, uh, getting by on my personality, you know, just like being a personality sort of. And um, anyway, but that first test um, made me real to yeah. the people yeah. in the business and to my manager and to my agency. And then about a year later, uh, I did a show called Ned and Stacy with uh, Thomas Hayden Church and... Um, and uh, Deborah Messing, and then they brought me in as like a uh, with with two other co-stars as like this group. And during taping, uh, when you're sh when you're shooting a sitcom, what happens is they go, okay, action. We do the tape, and if if they don't get the laughs that they want, 
the writers come on to set and they go, okay, what can we, how can we change it? What it's called punching up, right? So, okay. You know, That's it. Okay. It's Got a big it. term. Yeah. So they punch up. You know, they're <laughs> like, uh, okay, well, I have this line. Who should we give it to? And they were like, give it to him, give, give it to this guy. And so they gave me the line. You know, I, I did, I did well with it. Everybody mm -hmm. laughed. And so the next, then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, I got a call. Those two people that I was in there with, they were gone and they brought me back by myself. They brought me back again. And then on the fourth time, the episode was named after my character. And I had this, I mean, the whole episode was about me and Deborah was about Deborah Messing and, and me. And, and we had this like relationship, which was ridiculous because my character was just a complete, you know, <laughs> idiot. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of, you know, if you're if you're uh, handsome in Hollywood, you're either an idiot yeah. or you're uh, Kiefer Sutherland. You know, there's no there's no middle there's no middle ground, which was why. Uh, Another Young Guns reference, if you've been paying attention. Keith Sutherland. Well, but anyway, go ahead. Which is why Warehouse 13 was such I don't know if you've ever seen it, but which was uh, why everything you've done. I'm going to go watch as soon as we're done. Just so you know. Oh, well, yeah, Warehouse 13 is so much fun. I, I, I mean, I've whatever, if I could contribute to you getting a bigger royalties or I don't even know how it works with that. I just know music industry stuff. But if I can increase your financial end, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to well, do it. I'm going to fucking do it. And, I'm going to watch all your shit. And back to you, sir. Back to you. Yeah, back same, to me. Same, same. Yeah. If I can ever help you, you know. Uh, yeah, I got a lot going on right now, man. I don't know if you know, I got like 200 people a week watching this thing, so it's pretty can, fucking I can, big. I can, <laughs> I can see it's right. It's right in front of me, my That's friend. Right. Just waiting uh, to take off, man. We're we're yeah, on the fucking right? platform. We just fucking. we're waiting for ignition. That's like my yet, career. It skyrocketed right to the middle. What's um, odd though, that you mentioned that, like, so I do, I, I, this is the podcast. And then on Thursdays we do the banter thing with, you know, Christina and uh, Veronica and a few other people. I don't know why, but last week, all of a sudden it's like 10 times the amount of normal views. So I don't know, maybe it's finally starting to gain some traction. I don't know why. Well, I saw, I saw you, I saw the, who did you have on last? I was watched, well, I watched some of it. Last week it was, so Christina and Veronica are the regulars at this point. And then we lost, an individual so we had to bring on uh one of veronica's roommates who happens to be from australia so it was perfect to get an outsider's inside yeah. perspective on the shit show that's going on currently based on the the election so right. uh yeah we've had like 16 people in australia watch so it's working awesome man hopefully, <laughs> I, can, hope, hopefully I can bring in you know yeah we'll double dime you here yeah we'll, we'll we'll talk about this offline uh yeah, yeah. nice nice army term we'll talk about yeah. this offline okay so yeah. all right uh you, you've you've what so here's my thing like this is you're, you're talking about the actual incidents that kind of propelled you into tv and then eventually into film and all but like when you're not doing that and you go home at night at that point, what were you thinking? Like, were you like, man, this shit's about to fucking work or were you still scared? Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do tomorrow or where were you at at that point? Cause that's kind of, I don't give a shit about all the success stuff. I want to know what like the actual, the real human thought is. Cause 
no one's perfect all the time. So there's gotta be moments where you're either doubting or there's some self-doubt creeping in, or were you just stupid, uber confident? Like, man, I'm about to be the fucking most no, famous no, man no, alive. No, that, that's, <laughs> not my, that's not my way. Um, yeah. No, I mean, Hey, look, I'm a, I'm a recovering drug addict, alcoholic. So I'm yep. broke. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out ways to make myself better. Right. Um, and, um, no, I, I mean, I, I, um, I, I've, I was absolutely filled with self-doubt. I mean, anytime you get a job in Hollywood, as soon as that job ends, you What's think, next, right? am I ever going to get another job? Yeah. And especially for me, because I wasn't really like, I never considered myself, I, I, I've never really considered myself an actor, you know? Um, <laughs> well, if I've you always, Google yourself... I've, I, I always like feel like I'm, I've, I'm kind of a sapper, you know, I've kind of snuck in and, and I'm hoping they don't discover me, you know, like I'm hoping they don't find me out, you know. Um, and so I, my career has been filled with self-doubt, you know, to the point my manager's like, you got to stop with the self-deprecation shit, man. And I'm like, it is, I am who I am. Yeah, I do. Are, I do. Um, I'm working on it though. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, like I worked on my sobriety because I, without it, I would have, you know, I don't know where I'd be. I probably would be dead by now. Um, um, and uh, that's serious, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I've yeah. had, yeah. I've had uh, my best friend, I mean, not to bring it, you know, too no, hey, it, it is who you, it's who you are. It's part of the story. My, my, my best friend in, uh, <clears throat> When I was in the eighth grade, he was in the ninth grade, man. He was the coolest. He was the coolest. He he introduced me to ACDC for the first time I ever heard ACDC in the eighth grade. And I wanted to be just like him. He was a badass wrestler. I uh, ended up wrestling at Indiana. And um, <clears throat> he, the chicks just, he's just handsome as hell. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I, like, I was the, I was the fuck up. Mm -hmm. who was fun at parties and he was the one that was the golden child yeah and um he uh he could not figure out how to stop partying and uh um what happened was uh, another friend of mine who he went we grew up with he was wrestling for the olympic team down in dallas uh, my friend mike was um lived down in Dallas. So I went down to watch my friend Brian wrestle for the Olympics. And um, Mike, the, the guy I wanted to be mm -hmm. like, he picked me up and he was just wasted in the middle of the day. Um, he, he just was really drinking hard, um, still listening to ACDC. When he picked me up, he was listening to ACDC. Um, when I got back to LA, he would call me in the middle of the night because he was really having trouble with his drinking. He knew I was sober, yeah. uh, but he would call me and I, I say, Mike, man, I can't talk to you when you're drunk like this because we can't have on, we can't have a conversation. And I said, you need to call me before you start drinking. And yeah. then we can, then we can have a real conversation. A month later, his brother uh, found him hanging in his uh, oh. closet. Fuck. And, um, you know, I, I can't explain that, you know, right. I don't know why it's not me hanging in the closet. Yeah. And, no, uh, I mean, that's, so, uh, 
Sorry, man. I don't mean to bring it down. No, no, no. no. That's not, not, there's nothing wrong with that. I I think that's, it's, it's, again, it's part of the story, man. It's part of like why and what you've experienced that's brought you to the point where you're at. And there's all those things along the way. Cause I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a moment. The way I would identify that, because unfortunately, let's not pretend that this shit doesn't take place in the fucking military. And I've not heard enough about it over 19 years. But what you're describing is a point where you could have either said one of two things man, I can't, I can't fucking do this either. Like this was the dude, this was the one dude I, I always wanted to be like, and he fucking succumbed to this. It, uh, it's, it's definitely going to happen to me next. Right. And then you could have just made the, the decision to weaken, to fuck up your sobriety, but you didn't, or you could have done what you obviously did and you continue to progress and move forward. And you're still sober 20 years later, as you described, but whatever happened from that point, you didn't, allow that to take you down the same path right no no. i mean i use i use mike's death as um motivation yeah yeah because why not like everyone needs that man like and i I get it they the the world is filled with we celebrate success especially in america we celebrate success but there's a huge fucking world out there and most of the people in this world do not live in the United States of America, obviously, and they don't have the access to the things that we do. They don't have the path to success that we do. They don't. Um, Americans take a lot of the, no, fuck, not a lot of it. Americans take everything they have for granted. Absolutely. I've been in 21 different countries, man. I've I've been very blessed and fortunate to have those experiences. Um, I, I, I was a very fucking selfish and entitled individual in my early 20s. I know I was until I went to Iraq is when I really woke up. But still, yeah. most of this world doesn't have the access, the opportunity, the ability to make something more of the situation they're born into. In America still to this day, no, I get it. Trust me. I was a, I was, I was a suburban kid. Like I was born from two working class parents. Don't get me wrong. I was not, I, I didn't grow up in a single family home, a parent home. I didn't, I didn't have that. However, my success was not guaranteed, but it wasn't hard. Right. Okay. I knew what I needed to do. And I, and I, I've, I've stumbled along the way, maybe kind of like you did, you know, I, but I've eventually found myself and I have an opportunity that a lot of people in this world won't. And it's yeah. got nothing to do with skin color. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got, it's, it's got to do with the fucking genetic lottery. All right. Or not yeah. the geographic lottery. Yeah. 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 Ge- yeah. I was born in the United States. So I have to really try hard to fuck up what I have in order to, you know, not enjoy some type of success. And that's what I feel like. I mean, listening to everything you, you highlighted, man, like talk about your mom and your dad, you talk about what you went through school for. You got out into California. Nothing was working. Like there's nothing in your, there's nothing even in your history family wise that said, Hey, you'll, you'll probably end up in the acting. You know, I at least have family history in the military. Like I, I never wanted to do it. I was convinced I was going to be a professional baseball player. But then you were a wrestler. You get to college, you realize everyone's good. It's not high school anymore, man. Like everyone, <laughs> like that, that, that was the big thing for me. Like I got to college and I, dude, man, I'm just not that fucking good. And I, I was good enough to get here, but that's where the party stops. Right. right. So, but I don't, I don't, and I don't know if you've ever reflected on it in this way, but based on what I'm hearing is, 
man, there are so many opportunities for you to just say, fuck it. There really was along the way. And, but things kept happening to pull you in a direction towards success. And you were at least, you know, attuned to what was going on to follow them. You highlighted like three specific examples of things that you can look back on. Like if it wasn't for that, none of this would have happened. Right. And yeah. so now the, the, the guy that you idolize and looked up to, he passes, what do you do next? Where are you at in your career? Where, where was that at? You know, I was, I was, uh, well, and I should say, you know, when, when all these impasses have, have come and there, there have been a lot, um, I always go back on, you know, and, and these are things that I took for granted for a long time, but what, what my wrestling coach, we, I had a really, really good wrestling coach, you know, yeah. like we, we were, we were like, um, for years, one of the best teams in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And my coach was a, an absolute fucking stud. And, um, and I, I just, I was raised with the mentality that you, you don't give up, you just keep going. Um, and, um, and I, I just, I just kept going, you know, I, I when I decided to quit drinking and, and, and turn my life around, I, I just didn't have it in me to, to uh, give up. I mean, there, there were moments when, I mean, the, the past two years have been the two, two of the hardest years of my career. It's just really? been awful, awful. Why? And, uh, um, well, one, I'm getting older. So the, the opportunities shrink and, mm -hmm. you know, there's a, there's a big, um, movement in Hollywood now, uh, to diversify kind of a, an edict. So, you know, as a, as a, you know, older white guy, you know, like mm -hmm. my, my opportunities went like this to this because of my age. And then, mm -hmm. and look, don't get me wrong. I want everybody to have a job. Um, and I think everybody deserves a job uh, if they, uh, if they prove that they can do that job. Um, well, I mean, before you go but, on, but, but I mean, that's the, that's the perfect thing that it, I, this was what I was always taught. Um, it's right, equal opportunity, I, not, right. equal, not equal outcome. Right. 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 And, okay. and, and Hollywood in and of itself is, is, you know, it's all networking. It's, and it's all subjective. Much. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know, the reason you get a job and the reason you don't get a job. And, and you know, I mean, look, it, it may sound like I'm being um, ungrateful or, uh, you know, like cry me a river, Eddie, uh, a little, but hey, it is what it is. And, you know, people don't really talk about it. You're not really allowed to talk about it. But, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying it like it is. I'm saying I've experienced it. I know what it is. And it is, and that, that is what's happening. So, um, and then um, because of that, Corona, and then when Corona came around, I mean, it's just been tough. I, I uh, <clears throat> a few months ago, I actually applied to LAPD. Did you really? To be, um, yeah, I mean, anybody can go on my website or the IMDB and see how old I am. I mean, I'm 53. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I have two boys. I have a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old. I have you know, cars and house and indoor plumbing and all that, all the good <laughs> shit. Right. And I needed to make money. And I just 
one day I just, I talked, I was, you know, been wringing my hands and wringing my hands and going, what am I going to do? I got to, I got to provide for my family. And, and I was like, what, what do I really want to do? What will make me feel good about myself? And what, what can I do that my sons can be proud of me for? And so I decided to apply to LAPD. <clears throat> and uh, so I went down to, uh, I put in my application, I went down um, and I took the, uh, the, uh, the, the PFQ, which is the physical fitness qualifier and the, the, uh, the PQE, which is the personality uh, mm. test. And I did really well in those. Um, I mean, I, I, I've always stayed fit. I've always been a gym rat and all that yeah. stuff. Um, and then um, when it came down to the personal inventory, which is, you know, like a hundred questions, it's pretty deep, you know, and that's just phase one. Yeah. Once you go through phase one, you, then it gets even more personal, but um, you know, they start asking me questions about had I ever, you know, yeah. been arrested? Have I ever done drugs? What drugs did I do? <laughs> and I was yeah. like, I was like, you know, do you, how long do you got, you know, you, uh, you know, that there's not enough paper here. Yeah. You know, I did, I did it. I did it all pretty much. And mm -hmm. uh, so they, they bounced me from the, from the candidacy, which yeah. was, which was hard, but, you know, I can at least look back and say, you know, once again, I, I'm not giving up on myself. I'm not giving up on You know, I mean, I, I, I potentially was walking away from an acting career, but, yeah. um, but I, but I needed to, to, I needed to do something. And so that's what I chose. Um, um, I, I, I respect their opinion, you know, I respect their decision. And, um, luckily this, um, this thing with, um, uh, Mighty Ducks came along and I got to go yeah. up to Canada and, and, uh, oh shit. So that's right. Okay. Cause I was just about to give you a totally other different path, but that's right. We're, we're mighty ducks. Mighty ducks is coming back. For those of you who don't know what the hell mighty ducks is. Uh, this is a big part of my growing up, uh, the nineties, Emilio Estevez in the original. Uh, but it's about that hockey team, right? It's why we have a fucking actual NHL team called the mighty ducks or the yeah. ducks to this day, whatever they are, but that's why. So yeah, I'm actually kind of looking forward to that, man. I, I really am because yeah. I grew up on that shit. And Emilio Estevez to me will always be Young Guns, but it was outside of Young Guns, Men at Work, the Mighty Ducks. Like that's that's Emilio Estevez, and then you're in that, so that's fucking cool as shit, right? Do you have a major yeah. role, major yeah. major thing, or um, what? Um, you're not like the janitor, are you? No, uh, <laughs> I play the father of the lead kid. Okay, that's cool. And um, and I had I had this young man with the lead actress lauren graham mm -hmm. so it looks like you know the potential for me to uh to go back uh if if in fact they have a season two yeah um, well i know. think like everything is everything on netflix disney plus hulu everything ends up in another season unless it's just absolutely awful right yeah. But, yeah. I, mean, I don't know what Emilio Estevez has been up to these days. I don't even know, but I mean, you know, he's, he's directing and um, yeah, he's doing stuff. And, and, you know, 
like you said, man, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I still get starstruck, you know, for, for the people yeah, that I, of course. I got, like I got to work with Lawrence Fishburne, who is in the apocalypse. Now he played clean. Yeah. That was fantastic. I got to sit around and talk the apocalypse Matrix, now with shit, him man. and Matrix. I did uh, Spin City with Charlie Sheen and, yeah, fucking... and uh, you know, Platoon was big, blood. big, big for me. <laughs> Tiger Blood. Uh, so, so being able to hang out with, with Emilio was very cool. And he, yeah. he was really great. He was really awesome. And, and um, you know, it kind of uh, gave me some confidence to, and some, That's good, it, man. Lifted, it lifted me up a little bit and let me know to, to just keep, keep swinging away, you know? Absolutely. Um... Were you on Twitter when the whole Charlie Sheen Tiger Blood thing took place? Yeah. yeah. That wasn't fucking like I don't think people realize this about Twitter. Cause I've been I I I'm on a different account now, but I originally signed up in 2010. Okay. And I think the Tiger Blood thing was like 2012-ish, kind of around that time. Yeah. But what people like when Twitter came out originally, it, it was kind of met with like, what is this? This is dumb. Right. Like it wasn't a big thing. I think like the things that propelled it to grow were athletes. Yeah. I know. I remember that was a big thing. I don't know so much about celebrities. I still don't know to this day if there's ever really a big celebrity Hollywood celebrity who's very active and kind of drives conversation. I don't know if there's many, um, it, maybe it'll be you. I don't know. Eddie. Um, but I don't think like you are right on there. Yeah, no, you, you're actually, yeah, you're, you're an actual account that people should pay attention to. I don't know how long you've been on there, but I just remember like it was a while before Twitter took off and it was kind of right around that time where, you know, Charlie Sheen and, and his whole fallout with everything. And then it, it kind of, oh, let me use Twitter as my promotion vehicle. And, right. you know, next thing you know, there, there's Tiger Blood, there's, there's Charlie Sheen booking like a, a, a national tour which from every account, I, I knew one person who actually went to a show and, and it was just like, it was just Charlie Sheen coming out and talking to the audience. Like there was no, it was just him selling tickets to come right. hear him talk. It was weird. Right. Right. Um, right. But that's kind of how Twitter went, man. And like Twitter was never this negative fucking oh. thing that it is now. I would say prior yeah. to about mid 2015, yeah, I would say I mean, as the run up. To the, the I, I came election. off of when 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 MySpace because I I was yep, starting MySpace. to really get into MySpace. Yep. I loved being able to post my music on there, and that that's why I was on there. And then yep. when uh, when when Twitter came around, <clears throat> was right when Warehouse Thirteen was um, was starting to. So everybody was like, "Oh, go on Twitter and start talking about Warehouse 13. and man, I just like going on. Cause back then you only had like 134 characters or something like that. So you uh, had yeah, to, on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. 140. Yep. Oh, 140, yep. 140. Yep. And, and, um, you had so, to be creative. You had to be clever. Yeah. 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 You, you know, <laughs> that, that's the thing you, you know, and I, I would pop around to different accounts and just tell, you know, just satirize, you know, just try and be funny and creative and um, I tell you, the last few years, I um, there he goes. So I'll tell you guys, the last few years, I don't really say much on Twitter anymore because you know you uh, you say the wrong thing, and then next thing you know, you're you know you're Satan. And so I 
I post fart jokes and Cleveland Browns stuff and, uh, you know, my support for the military. Um, I guess Eric had to, I don't know if Eric had to poop or pee. We'll find out. What do you think? Who's saying poop? Who's saying pee? Poop or pee? Poop or pee? No, I could, I could definitely hear what you're saying. Oh, it, it wasn't that it was all about refilling the drink. No, it was, it was all about pee actually. Um, so yeah, so you're talking about, and this is what I want to ask you, man, because I'm not trying to take it to a personal level, but I want to, because it's not even, you, you can't even hide it anymore. It's people immediately, they say something or they tweet something. And then there's this group of people like, I call it the people who it's, it's the, the cloud screamers. It's not even the real actual representation of the country. Right, it's no, people no. who are there screaming at the clouds and they make people in your line of work or people in the general public eye feel like, Oh my God, I have to apologize and immediately take back or walk back what I actually think and feel. And none of that shit should fucking matter. Like no. you should separate as hard as it is sometimes, but you should separate the art from the artist. Yeah, I mean, look, it, the, it, the, I absolutely agree. And here's like, just in general, here's, here's the talk. You know, I was thinking about the big talk with my son about, you know, race or, you know, politics or whatever. It, it's very simple to me. Mm-hmm. Don't be an asshole. Bam. <laughs> right? How hard Don't. is that? That's it. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. And you're good. But the problem is people who aren't assholes say something out of, you know, stream of consciousness or, or whatever it is. And somebody finds fault with it because they're, there's always someone who will in the military. We call it, there's always one. Yeah. But there always will be someone who finds fault with what you say. So why, why subject yourself to the tyranny of the minority? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, like I said, I, I, I don't really post anything anymore because I'm afraid that, you know, yeah. somebody's going to fucking say, you know, Eddie McClintock is a racist. Eddie McClintock is a homophobe. Eddie McClintock is this or that. I mean, I've, I was a few years ago, I was talking about Cam Newton being a peacock. You know, I was like, oh, guy's a fucking peacock. I mean, this, this is a term like, you know, that had nothing to do with the color of the man's skin. He was a fucking peacock, you know? And all of a sudden they're like, you're a fucking racist. And I was just like, what? I was like, wait, 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 wait. And then once you start, I mean, it's almost like, then you have to go, well, I have a lot of black friends. Exactly. And then, yeah. and, then, and then you're really screwed, you know? Hey, look, man, I've entered it in my own little way in this little, like, so like there's this little sect on the internet, especially on Twitter of like, you know, woke mill twitter and they tried this fucking character assassination bullshit with me like and i'm i'm no one on the in on on your level in terms of popularity or notoriety but you know they they try this shit with me and they're like oh look here's a screenshot of this or oh or or you did this and it's just like look man like what you want you're not gonna get i'm not going anywhere i'm not gonna bend the fucking knee i know the actual truth my friends and family know the actual truth. So your opinions of me mean absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah. And I hope 
anyone, I, I, I genuinely, and I'm not trying to take the spotlight off of you, but I genuinely hope like people who are in your position, but also people who will, will find themselves in this position later, it's like, look, I get it. I, I'm a guy without your following or notoriety or your actual profession. But at the end of the day, when it comes to these people who don't know anything about you, your character or who you really are, fuck them. Because yeah. they're they're meaningless. They're 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 screen names and accounts on a social media page talking to themselves. That's what they're doing, and that's what I, that's what my reaction was back then. And it was like early September. It's like it's your own little fucking echo chamber. I don't yeah. give a fuck about it because I'm not a part of it. So please, by all means, tell me all the negative thing. Tell me how much you hate me. Tell me all the shit that. I don't give a fuck. I'm not in your circle. I don't give a shit, but you guys feel really good about yourselves. Great. Pat yourselves on the back. Enjoy your night of rest. I'm definitely going to sleep fucking fine. Cause you don't mean anything to me in my world or my circle or my family. And that's kind of where it is, man. And I get that though. I do respect where you're, you, you are in a position where you feel you have to be um, aware of what you do, but at the same time, how anti-constitutional is that? Man, look, I, uh, like I said, I applied for LAPD, mm -hmm. right? So that's where I stand on that, right? Yeah. It's obvious, okay? So um, when the two LAPD officers were sitting in their car out here and that guy came up and tried to assassinate them, um, I posted a, a thin blue line flag. <clears throat> Excuse me. I posted a thin blue line flag. Um, you know, I know the history of the thin blue line, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it goes, the thin blue line goes way back. Um, and, um, and I was called, uh, a racist and told that the thin blue line flag was a fascist, <laughs> fascistic. Is that right? But, I mean, I can't control it. Whatever, like, whatever. You, know, you get it. Yeah, I got it. I, I, I don't want to be hip with the nomenclature in regards <laughs> to that, so whatever. Anyway, man, I mean, I don't want to bring bring the whole, our conversation down. No, it's fine. No, like, hey, we'll take that, it wherever, but, man. You know, like, no... like, look, I'm, I'm not a fucking asshole. I'm yep. not an asshole. And, uh, and I, I uh, but I should be allowed to say you know, supporting the police and also supporting our minorities and everyone else in this country shouldn't be mutually exclusive. You know, you should be, nope. a, you know, you should be able to support both. Yeah. And well, um, I mean, anyway, you know, so I, I had to, you know, my son um, started getting heat from. Oh, shit. Now, how old are your kids again? I'm out kids? here in California, uh, 14 and 15. Okay. And my my so I have a daughter. She's 14. So she's down that hall somewhere. But yeah, so I got it. I understand exactly what age group you're you're, you're talking about. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're like this yeah. all day, right? Yeah. And yeah. Trust getting, me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he started getting heat for it. And so he asked me if I would take it down off my Instagram page. Um, and uh, because somebody... Uh, they, they, one of his friends found out that I was in shooter and he liked shooter. So he went to my page and then he came back, back to my boy and was like, why does your dad have a, you know, 
You would think they, it would have the opposite effect. You would think it would be like, oh, okay, well, this is how I feel. This guy that I look up to and actually like on a show, he thinks this way. Let me research that, and then let me make an actual opinion from there. Yeah, that, well, we, that's, we old, get... that's, old, that's old school thinking, though, Eric. Yeah, man. Like, that's, that's, that's old school, because now it's like drone, you know, it's like... It's robots. Drone mentality. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so, anyway, you know, I, I just can't go there. You know, I can't mm-hmm. go there, and I, and I, I want to. Um, I, I want to be able to... No, I got it. Like I, I said, I, I want to be able to... I can't do right now as well. I got yeah. it. <laughs> so, so I stick to fart jokes and Cleveland Browns and, you know, I support, I support our, I support our military. Absolutely. You do. So, all right. All right. We, we, we've touched on a lot of those things. So I, I, let me, let me bring up my list because you mentioned the Cleveland Browns. So you know what, man? Hey, let's talk mediocrity. You ready? Okay. Okay. Good. Cause I'm a Chicago bears fan. You're a Cleveland Browns fan. You know what? We've both been alive when our teams were actually Super Bowl champions before. Browns have never been a Super Bowl. Yeah, they they were. Didn't they win like the actual NFL champ? They never won them. Yeah, before there was a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Bears won a ton of them. They won six of them, but one actual NFL championship, two appearances. So that's why I said, let's talk fucking mediocrity, man. Because you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you still follow them pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What do you? Okay, so look, look, man. I feel like to teams, right? They traditionally teams are good at something. The Browns will always be known for Jim Brown, the running back, right? Yeah. I mean, even now they've got two great running backs. They got Kareem Hunt, they got Nick Chubb, but right. man, I feel like the Cleveland Browns and Chicago Bears are the exact same team when it comes to the position of the quarterback, right? Like we've traditionally and historically we've squandered teams on the defensive side because of a horrible ineptitude to play the offensive side of uh, the position, right. Or the, the football. So I'm a bit, I love Baker Mayfield. I really do. I hated him in college. I don't know why. I just, I just did not like him in college, but when he got, he was a peacock. (laughs) Explain what the fucking peacock is before, you know, you're called a racist for tall and a white guy, a peacock. Look, man, (laughs) Like here's the thing. Growing up wrestling, playing football, the 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 for me, the baddest dudes were the ones that never said shit. Those are the ones yeah. you need to look out for. Right. That's true. Not this, not this guy. Yeah. You know, like like we were talking about the guys with the biggest muscles, you know. Yeah. There's a there's a, misperce- there's a misperception, yeah. right? It doesn't mean it doesn't mean you can fight just because you got just because you're strong, right? Yeah, the, the quiet guys to me. I've always had the, I've always looked out for the most and always had the most respect for that goes with, you know, the MMA boxing. Yeah. 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 Um, and, um, you know, I mean, you know, Baker's over there grabbing his dick and, you know, he plants the flag at OSU. Yeah, He's a, he's a very confident individual, you know, and, and then, but so coming out of college, I was like, we needed someone after the debacle with Johnny Manziel, we needed someone who had fire, real fire. The kid, the kid is a, a proven um, underdog winner. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you that's, know, he's Cleveland all, all the way. Through. He is yeah, Cleveland <laughs> without being from there. That's what he is. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Johnny Manziel is fine. His dad comes from oil money. He'll he'll be fine, uh, whatever. He's fucking Baker Mayfield, you know, he played with a chip on his shoulder, and I love that. And I I, I wanted him. Um, yeah. And and I I still haven't given up on him. You know, I, I haven't either. I have these conversations with my cousin, who's a big, his his actually his son was uh, all Ohio uh, Division One. The same year that Mitch Trubisky was uh, we're going all, next. All Ohio. Yeah. And I was just talking to my cousin yesterday. Oh, I love Mitch. I feel pit- he wasn't even activated for the game last night. Well, he's, yeah, he's still recovering from that shoulder injury. Oh, he is. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's he got a he, he hurt himself in the uh, Saints oh. game two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. So look, so I, like I said, I was never a Baker Mayfield fan when I became a Baker Mayfield fan. Cause look, I, I listen to a lot of sports talk radio and my favorite host is Colin Cowherd. Colin uh, Cowherd is the most accurate individual ever. He's also the biggest fucking hypocrite ever. And it's not even his fault. It's just the fact that you talk three hours a day, you're going to contradict yourself. And right. the fact that I listen to him talk in my office three hours a day, I could always be like, wait hold the fuck whoa, on whoa 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 yeah, exactly and that's not fair to anybody but i get to play that game because i'm not in his position but right. that like so when he was like bashing baker coming out and for good reason i get it but when baker went on his show prior to or it was right after the draft and just the way he showed up i was just like i love it i love everything about this dude because in a way i saw myself i'm like if I w- if I had the talent to make it to the major leagues, like Baker made it to the NFL, I'm not gonna lie. I know myself. I would have been an arrogant fuck like that. I would have. I was very arrogant as a baseball player. To, part of you has to be. You yeah, know, yeah. It, it's competitive, but at the same yeah. time, I was over. Like my attitude on the field did not match my talent. It never did. I was right. very good. I got to college and I was not that good anymore. But I didn't lose my attitude. I didn't lose my competitiveness. I would still sit there on the mound as a pitcher and be like, I'm a fuck didn't strike this fucker out. He might hit a home run. And I'd be like, what the fuck just happened? But I'm still going to be like the next guy. All right. You ain't going to hit me. And then he may hit a double, but like that, like that doesn't go away. You're just not good enough anymore. You know what I mean? In your defense, hold on (laughs) in your defense. It's not that you got less good. (laughs) You were just playing with people who were better. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like you didn't lose your, you didn't lose that's any. True. But, but that's what I mean. Like you, you don't lose that edge. And that's why I like Baker, because in my opinion, I think he's learned from maybe a lot came to him too quickly because he was the number one pick, right? All this commercials and all that shit that just comes yeah. to you being the number one pick. Yeah. Mitch Trubisky, as we talked, you brought up, he didn't get that. He was the number two pick. So he didn't come along. The number one pick in that draft, I believe was Miles Garrett. Right, and he's lived up to just about everything you could possibly do in, in Cleveland. Aside no, from Baker his, was the number one. Yeah, pick. Baker was the number one pick, but Trubisky the year prior was the number two pick. Miles oh, Garrett okay. was yeah. yeah. Trubisky, Miles Garrett Trubisky was the number the one year. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. He's gone on and got his one hundred twenty-five million dollar extension. So if I'm Mitch yeah. Trubisky right now, I just watched Nick Foles get hurt last night. You know, apparently the injury is not as serious as it as it was as it looked on TV. When you get when the cart comes on, you think the worst. Apparently, it's a hip pointer. I've never had one. I, I won't pretend, but everyone's like, "Oh, it's not that bad." But look, you kind of have to go back to the kid, Mitch Trubisky, at this point because he's in a chance to 
save not only his career in Chicago, his career in the NFL, and at the yeah. same time, the season for his team. Like, and he's in a contract year. There's nothing more as a competitive athlete you would want. Right. Like everything's in line for them. And that's why I say like, Hey, let's talk mediocrity because this is what it is, man. This is the bears and the Browns, the Browns. Everyone is off the Browns and the Baker Mayfield, but they're six and three. They're probably going to get a wild card because the fucking Steelers are just running away with that division right now. The bears were five and one and overnight they're five and five and Trubisky's got a chance over these next six games. You go four and two, you're probably in the playoffs. Maybe they've lost four games in a row. Yeah. They were five and one. They're five and five now. Going into the bye week, like Nick Foles clearly isn't it. You know, I felt I felt Trubisky got a he got a bad deal. Like you throw one bad pass against the Falcons, you bring in Foles, he leads them back, wins the game. Yeah, if you're the coach, what are you going to do? Of course, you're going to play Foles going forward. But he hasn't done anything since. He's two and five since. He's not winning. Right. You know what I mean? So, but let's talk about the Browns because. I just picked up Nick Chubb in my league because everyone discarded him when he went on IR. He puts up, you know, a big fantasy number for me this past week. What yeah. do you think the Browns are going to do, man? Like, are you, are you live and die Browns fan? Or are you just kind of like, what it's, you know, I don't even know what to think this year. No, I mean, well, here's the thing last year when they had Odell and everybody was taught, jumped on the Super Bowl bandwagon you know, I was listening to sports radio and I was listening to Colin and I was like, <laughs> you know, and, and then they came out and uh, lost to freaking, was it Tennessee? Tennessee? First Tennessee. game of the season. Yep, lost, Tennessee. You know, just by, by halftime. I mean, we all have my, my son had his jersey on. I had my jersey on. My sister was here from Florida. She had her jersey on. My wife had her Baker Mayfield jersey on. By halftime, my kid had gone back up to his room we all had our jerseys off. I was furious because I felt like once again, you know, I had been just completely duped. Absolutely. And um, so this year I've been a lot more, I've been a lot more guarded about, you know, I've been hurt before Eric. And um, so I, I, uh, I wanted to just be a little. I, I'll uh, never hurt you, Eddie, just so you know. <laughs> be gentle. <laughs> be, be gentle. Be, be a gentle lover. Um, but, uh, but so, you know, I mean, I, I feel like the Browns have, have beaten some pretty not great teams. Um, the two times they were really tested against uh, Baltimore and the, Ravens. And yeah. the Steelers, um, they got their asses handed to them. Um, but I think this was a, I think this was a big important win against Houston. Houston's pretty good. I mean, um well they're supposed to be they're not this year but they should be yeah they've got talent for sure um deshaun watson is yeah you know, same draft really, as trubisky what no one's yeah. saying shit about him though and they're fucking two and seven <laughs> yeah but uh you know seeing and especially seeing chubb uh when he instead of going to get the touchdown because what happened oh with, my god like the the betters I'm a big sports game. Oh, yeah. Guy. Like, God, they were yeah. fucking two and a half. It closed that and they went, or no, it was three he, and a half. He pissed some people off. <laughs> yeah. But he must have been thinking about what happened with Gurley. Uh, he might have had the under. Ago. You never know. Yeah. And, and, uh, but, you know, like, he's just a, he's just, he's an old, he's very old school. Very yeah. throwback. No he's a, yeah. He's, he's a throwback he's a great, player. Great you know? dude. 
Yep. You know, he's he doesn't do person. like a chicken dance in the end zone after he no. scores when the Browns are down he's by very, very humble guy. Yeah. He's, he's very, and, and so I, I love, I love, uh, I love that guy. And with he and Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. was the first time in 54 years where two backs yard uh, on the Cleveland team have gotten hundred yard games. Yeah. That was, that's, that's a, that's a, Leroy Kelly. Yeah. It's so weird though. Like they, they still only put up, 10 points. I mean, I get it. There should have been a touchdown yeah. and Chubb ran out of bounds, but so that's where we're at on that, man. Um, all right. We're, we're, I'm going to stick with the football theme because I've been looking at you and I've been watching this all night and, and there's a guy that just sticks out to me and I wish he had more success currently in his current Harbaugh? job. Yeah. It's fuck. You're fucking Jim Harbaugh, man. <laughs> hold on. He's, Wait, hold on. Uh Oh, you got the khakis. Wait, hold on. <laughs> As Eddie McClintock runs across his garage, I will check my phone, Captain. And let, oh, look, Maddie has texted us a picture from the party. I don't even know who that is, but they have a mask on. Socially distanced. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, forgot to lock the door. Thanks, Maddie. Don't worry, I'll take care of it from here. Um, I feel like Eddie will be back at some point, but what we're really trying to get into going forward is if there's going to be a college move or not a college, if there's going to be a movie about current college football coach, Jim Harbaugh, he played at the university of Michigan. He played in the Indianapolis Colts for the NFL. He played for the Chicago bears as well. The bears um, comeback player of the year, I think in 1997 for the Colts. Um, but anyway, he's back. He's got the class. <laughs> he's got the glasses on now. Uh, yeah, like, like these are the, these are, these, I mean, this isn't, this is actually, <laughs> these are my glasses and I get it all the time, man. Like people, like I was walking the other day and this guy came out and he's like, you look exactly like Jim Harbaugh. Uh, you like, do. Oh, I'll take I, it. I'll take dude, it. Dude, I've, I've been sitting here. Uh, okay. Owner of the bubble bar. We're getting updates from Maddie and on her night. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, I was thinking about that because man, uh, uh, so I'm a UCF football fan by default because I went there, um, but I've also I grew up a Michigan fan. Like I, that was that was the football team I grew up liking. You're from Ohio. Are you a big Ohio State fan? Yeah. Okay. So you you've definitely like me have been alive when Michigan used to actually win that game. Yeah. Like all through my high school in the '90s, Michigan always won. They always beat Ohio State. They haven't fucking beat them probably since I graduated well, high school. Oh, not always. In the, uh, <laughs> in I mean, the it was a national champ in 97 so i remember yeah, that junior yeah, year. Yeah. but probably since like 2000 it's not even a rivalry anymore man it's oh. fucking ohio state just naming the score i think one game it was then the brady hoke era at michigan i think it was ohio state ended up winning like 44 to 41 it was some weird high scoring back and forth game take that game out it's ohio state like oh duh, we gotta go play michigan bummer what are we going to, how much are we going to put up today? Yeah. That's, that's a, I don't know. It's still, it's I, think, I don't even know why it's gotten to that point though. You know what I mean? Cause Ohio state's maintained. And if anything, Ohio state outside of Alabama, they're the premier college program in the United States. Like those, you know, I get it. Fucking God. What, what was the dude? What the coach that left Florida and went there. Oh, uh, 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 oh my God. I know we're both blanking on this guy. God, this is dumb. 
Here we go. You know what? I'm going to fill my, the air. My, my, people are going to be like, you're an idiot because you don't remember. Uh, I know. I'm going to I'm going to fill the air with dead space as I uh, note Ryan Day is the current Urban Meyer. So when Urban oh, Meyer God. left the Gators and went to Ohio State, I knew it. I knew it when he got hired. I was like, this motherfucker is going to blow the doors off of Michigan every year because I, I, I grew up in Florida, man. I was in Orlando. I saw what Urban Meyer did in Florida. I know right. he was a great coach. Yeah. Right. But he goes to Ohio state, which was expected. Like he got his start, I think in Bowling Green. And then he went out to whatever Utah right. and then he came right. back. So I get, I knew Urban Meyer was a great coach, but even with him leaving, everyone's like, Oh, Urban Meyer's good. Or Ohio state's going to take this step back. Nope. Not one bit. Ryan day just picked up where they took off and it, it, that it's frustrating because I don't get, I, I really don't, I'm, I'm being honest as a Michigan fan. I don't get it because the, the legacy, the history, all the tradition, it's all there, but Ohio yeah. state has maintained and moved on to another tier in Michigan. They're not even, it's not even, it's not a, it's not a rivalry. And, it, and that rivalry <laughs> is good for, I mean, you know, look, it's, it's nice for Ohio state to win all the time against yeah. Michigan, but you know, college sports and college football needs that. It's like the oldest rivalry in college football. It is. State. Yeah. Yeah. You need, you need, but it has to be competitive or else it's not yeah. worth it. It's not a, it's not a, <laughs> a rivalry. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the bears and the Packers. It's not a fucking rivalry anymore. The Packers win every time. It's not a but rivalry. I think, I think the, the um, Wolverines still have more wins than Ohio State. Yeah, the- like Michigan by default still has the most wins, but they're off to it. They've got one this year. It's not going well. And that's yeah. what's weird to me because I can recall my, my cousin, he, he went and got his master's at the University of Michigan recently. Um, so I'm trying to blame all this shit on him. But <laughs> I just remember the preseason reports. It was like, hey, you know, Jim Harbaugh's like, hey, we're ready to play. We're doing everything we need to possibly do for COVID. We're, we're, we're perfectly, we're, we're fine. There's no cases. There's nothing. And uh, you would think the team is all ready to go, right? And they go out and they some like Minnesota had all the preseason hype. Like everyone's thought Minnesota was going to be like this solid team. And they may still be, I don't know, but Michigan goes into Minnesota, kind of blows the doors off of them. And then Indiana, Indiana. No, not even But prior to that Michigan state, Michigan, Michigan state, state yeah. coming off of a, yeah, like a Michigan four and eight year. Like they, yeah, that's my problem with Jim Harbaugh. He doesn't beat anyone. He doesn't beat the rivals. Yeah. He doesn't beat Michigan state. He doesn't beat Ohio state. And it's like, Hey, how much like this could be it for him. Uh, you know, Oh, it is by contract by default. Oh, this is uh, his final year of his contract. Oh yeah. So yeah. Michigan's in a weird position to either just let him walk or how do you give a guy who's in this current state at one and what are they? One and three, one and what? It doesn't even matter. They're, I don't think they win another game the rest of the year, man. I'm being honest. I looked at their schedule. I don't, I don't think they're going to win a game the rest of the year. I've heard talk about Luke Fickle, um, for, who's down at uh, in Cincinnati, um, who also was from Ohio State. Cincinnati's like that springboard, man. It's so weird. Yeah. And Because yeah. UCF plays Cincinnati this weekend, so I can't wait to watch that game. But UCF, two dumb losses this year already, so they're already removed. But, yeah, like – Man, that that American Athletic Conference, like them, Cincinnati, Memphis, those three schools, 
they, they do, they you don't want to play those three schools. Put it that way. If you're a power five conference, you don't want to play Cincinnati, Memphis, or UCF because yeah. chances yeah. are it's not going to go your way. And, yeah. and the, yeah. the problem is you can't just show up and hope to win. Cause they're, they're going to fucking, they're going to play. They're going to play. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So I, I, I mentioned Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. I, I feel like he, he squandered his opportunity to get a movie made after him. But if he ever does, you I, was gonna say, I, I think you guys are even the same age. I think he's like 54. So I feel like you guys are the same age and everything. You look yeah. like him. Uh, I don't know if you want to suit up and, and, and relive his college experience at, at Michigan and then his NFL experience at, at uh, Show me the money. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like the highlight of his career is when he was in San Francisco and he, he turned Colin Kaepernick into a nobody, into a, an all-pro player, the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but here's my thing. I want to know this because yeah. I, I don't know how much military-related roles you've done. I know you were in Shooter. Yeah. But look, man, and I get it. I always read that there's advisors, but I, I don't, I don't, are there? Because yeah. I, like, because my, my most vivid memory was in the Fort Stewart. No, it wasn't in Fort Stewart. We were in Columbus, Georgia. So no, Fort Stewart. Was it Fort Stewart? Yeah. So we were on the, the on post theater at Fort Stewart in Georgia, getting ready to mobilize, to go into Iraq for the invasion in 2003 and the movie Basic came out. Do you remember the movie Basic? Samuel L. Jackson. Sorry. Hold on. Yeah, you got you got all these people calling your kids. Pacino, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> oh, Pacino again. I get big times. How you doing? Good. Can you pick me up a drone? Yeah. Yep. I'll be there in a little bit. I'll call you before I leave. Okay. All right. Bye. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you get out of here soon, man. I know. Yeah, that, that was Al. You know. Yeah. Not- Pacino. <laughs> Send that kid an Uber. Like, what the hell? Right? Uh, unbelievable. Oh, we, lo- we, we, lo- we lost Eddie, so I'll fill the air again with some dead time. Uh, Maddie's texted us again. Let's see what she said. Uh, oh, she gave us the old heart symbol on the app. Yeah, what the fuck? Hold on. You don't have an iPhone? What's going on, Eddie? Me? Yeah. Look at that. Not the, num- not the number you gave me. What? Did you get any of the text I sent you earlier? I got the, no. Wow. So hold on. Hold on. Let me make sure I didn't give you the wrong number. (laughs) Uh, Oh, what? Yeah. I don't want to say your number out (laughs) over this, but I've sent multiple texts. Like I'll just read my text to you. Hey, Eddie, it's Eric. Just had to confirm if you had an iPhone or not. I got a green bubble, so I'm disappointed. All right. You didn't get that. So you gave me the wrong number. Unbelievable. Yeah, wow. I did. You really are a boomer. You know that? I, I did. <laughs> Complete Luddite. Uh, well, I Damn. must not have had my, I don't even know who the fuck I sent that text to then. I, I might not have had my glasses on. Yeah, there you go. Because that, <laughs> that number is not even close. Yeah. How do you, did you just make up a number? I mean, there are two numbers that are incorrect in that. So that was, I apologize. Right, that's kind of fun. For everyone listening, all right, every couple of years you get bombarded with the thoughts and feelings of actors and actresses in Hollywood. This is a prime example of why you should ignore all of that. 
Exactly. He doesn't even know his own phone number. Bumbling booby. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give out the number. Actually, I should, I should give out the number he gave. Cause it's not his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give it up. Feel free. Yeah, whatever. Fuck it. Um, All right. Here. I just, I just, uh, I sent you the, the correct number. Where'd you send to, it to? To uh, your Twitter. Okay, cool. All right. So here's my thing. The, so that move, do you, did you ever see that movie basic? Do you know which one I'm talking about? No. All right. So it was like 2003. Uh, Samuel Jackson was in it. Um, Samuel L. God, what's the uh, God? What's his name? It's right in front of me. I just, I literally just Travolta? Said it. John Travolta? Travolta. Yeah. John Travolta's in it. So anyway, there's a scene in the movie. Um, Samuel L. Jackson is like this ranger school instructor and he's wearing his actual uniform at the time. He's wearing his standard BDU, his battle dress uniform, his fatigues. He's wearing E4 specialist rank. He's in E8 at the time. Right. Now, no one who doesn't know anything about the military is in it or in the army, at least, is going to know like why there are fucking sham shields on his shoulder. He's wearing yeah. E4 rank. Then he's wearing like the fucking cape he's wearing this weird like cape you know you guys in the military weather top capes. you guys yeah, love he's wearing capes. that and he's got the right rank on at that point and so here's my question about it is like yeah. is there are is there a job for me because i don't get it like is there no one who actually takes five seconds to google rank of the united states military before you know, we because look, I did TV production in, in, in high school. I'm a big deal, Eddie. All right. TV production, right? And I remember the term. It was called you continuity. Get me a job, sir. Yeah, it was called continuity, right? Like you want it one scene to look like the next scene, right? Because you're yeah. carrying. So tell me how the rank can be completely wrong from one scene to the next. Like, are the. I mean, you Seriously, know, like I know there's certain movies that get advisors. Like I know The Lone Survivor. I, I get that. But on average, is there no military advisor to say, hey, what you guys are putting on screen is fucking wrong. What are you doing? Because well, it's a small detail. I got it. But still, it's like, yeah, why, but look, why, if you're why gonna not make sure it's you're right? Gonna make a military film, you're going to, you should assume that there's going to be a lot of people that are in the military that are going to be watching. And you should, uh, you know, you should show respect you should make sure that that shit is right. I, I played a colonel, a, a Marine, a U.S. Marine colonel in Supergirl. <laughs> and um, I may, I called my, I took pictures of everything yeah. and I sent it to a buddy of mine who was a former Marine just to make sure. I mean, you know, I, I just for me, I, I, it, that it yeah. would kill me if I had people going, what the fuck is that? Right. Exactly. Cause it doesn't, you can't erase it. It's there. No. Right? No. It's permanent. No. It's like the so, internet. It's all, it's, it's permanent. Right. It's, you, can't, right. you can't erase that shit. <laughs> right. uh, so, I mean, like when we did shooter, um, mm -hmm. we had military advisors and most of the, um, a lot of the crew was all former military. Uh, okay. Most of the stunt men that we had on there were all former military um and so man that that was a fun job for me man you know because like we split we normally you know when you're on set with a bunch of actors you, you know you're not playing the circle game and you know <laughs> yeah, right, we, right. we when i was on the set of shooter it was just like 
the circle game all day or, you know, like bag tag and all, you know, just all the shit that I did when I wrestled. Like, right, 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 right. Which is, which is why, like, I always figured I, 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 um, you know, I, I, I tend to uh, relate a little bit more, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I no, still, I still draw sense. dicks on everything. So <laughs> <laughs> it's very Marine Corps, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, maybe that's why I never saw that movie because it was a turd. Probably I would have, yeah. uh, but no, like to be fair, like there's no one who fucks around more, especially at times where things are serious than the military, man. Like that's how we, you get through shit. Yeah. You, you mock yeah. it. You, you make, the best of the situation you're in and usually that comes at you know hey like oh fuck i still remember like so i was the non-commissioned officer in charge in in kabul of our quick reaction force on the base in in kabul uh in uh, nkc the new kabul compound at a time in in 2013 where supposedly uh this was right after a, a jingle truck which you know americans don't understand what a jingle truck is but imagine a garbage truck full of explosives, about 58,000 pounds full of explosives. A V-bed. Uh, yeah, it was a V-bed, but it, it didn't properly detonate out in front of Fab Gosney at the time. Uh, it, it, they, they couldn't figure out how to do it right. So the, 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 the detonation was wrong, but they knew there was, the, the intelligence told them that there was two others out there, right? Um, and that the, the suspected targets of these other two were us obviously because we were right we were right next to the embassy um so they thought they would detonate it either next to the embassy or next to us either way it was a high value target uh and then the other one was wherever and and the the cia at the time did the blast analysis of this one that didn't properly detonate and they said that it would be 13 times the oklahoma city bombing in uh at the federal building right so what that meant for us in our little tiny compound, so there was our compound, there was the helicopter airstrip, there was a hospital. What they said was if it went off in front of our ECP, which is an entry control point, if it went off, it would not only flatten our building, it would annihilate the telepad and it would flatten the, 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 the hospital behind us. All right. So it was going to be a big fucking explosion if it came. So I'm the NCOIC. I'm the non-commissioned officer in charge. I get this intel brief and I go down and we're having like our standard, you know, weekend formation. And like, we're going to talk about this shit. And I just remember telling them, I'm like, look, how can I make this funny? Because if I tried to make it serious, everyone's just going to be like, they're not going to, you know what I mean? It, you can make things serious and then still make them funny at the same time. Sure. And that, that's sure. what I focused on because I knew I knew my guys, I knew who was there. I knew what they responded to and uh, humor is what they wanted to hear in that situation. And yeah, fortunately nothing ever came of it. Um, but I, I just, you know, we were on alert for the next probably three to four weeks where it's 24 hour ops and it sucked. But at the same time, every time we, we did shift change or whatever, we just, we made jokes. Like that's what you don't sit there and be like, Oh my God, we're all going to fucking die. Like, that's, hey, that's just not what you do. Like that's, you're not the typical person. I mean, I already know the typical American doesn't go into the military and that's fine. That's great. That's, we have that option in this country. You don't have to, but I, that to me is why I, I bring it full circle back to the continuity because I don't like it. Is it not a standard thing? Like we're making this movie, we're making this show. Like, can we just reach out? To, is there no, like, is there no like Rolodex of military guys? Like, Hey, Mix, if you need someone, Eddie, like, 
DM me, bro. I'll, I'll tell you if it looks stupid or not. But like, I don't get it why they're so because that's not the only example. It really isn't. Oh, you, you see that's just the most, that's just the most prevalent. Cause I'm like, how could you get the rank that fucking wrong? But the average person watching that movie is just, they're not, they're just going to see Samuel L. Jackson and be like, Oh my God, Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta. Like that's all they see. See, man, I, I, I just think it's just disrespectful. I think it's disrespectful. Um, I think if you're going to make a movie about the military, you should, it should be top priority to make sure that those kind of things are, you know, buttoned up. Do you think but, that's conscious or is it just, it just is what it is? Like, do you think like, you know, I, think really trying... who, I think it depends on, on who's making the movie. I think it depends on, uh, you know, like the, uh, the political angle of, of the, of the actual movie story being told. Um, you know, uh, I, that's why I like reading books, man. Cause yeah. Yeah, it's, not in, it's not injected with, uh, politics. I just read, I just finished, uh, David, uh, Bellavia's book <clears throat> house to house. Fucking incredible. What's that one on? Uh, what's, what's the book? What's it yeah. on? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's about, uh, Fallujah two. Um, I knew you were, I knew you were going to say the Marines. I knew it. I just wanted you to say it. Like, go ahead. Bro. No, no, no. He, but <laughs> no, he was I'm just fucking with you. He I'm was not. army. He was army. I know. I'm just fucking with you. You said Fallujah. So everyone's going to be like, yeah, Marine oh, yeah. Corps. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but this, this was about, you know, what happened when he, uh, you know, that, that got him the uh, congressional medal. Oh and, shit. Okay. And uh, so anyway, yeah. I read books. I read. I, I would much rather read a book about the military than watch a movie right. about the military. So look, I, I, I'm gonna. I, I just want to put this in your ear now, and I don't know if someone's already done it or not. But even if they have, great. I just want to re, re, kind of reaffirm it. Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, I know you, you, you've recently found yourself into the goon Zoom calls, which is yeah. great. Because it's yeah. cool. It, it's kind of cool to get more. Exp and, and it started out as just like, oh, I got to be fucking veteran or whatever. But no, like people who relate and and uh, can actually be allies in that 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 just the perspective. That's what it is to me. It's a perspective. But recently, I don't know if you've been following the Star in First Class, Alan Cash, our our efforts to get his Silver yeah, Star yeah, upgraded yeah. to Medal of Honor. So that's happening. That's yeah. that is about to happen at some point. But right. look, Eddie, man, I don't know. I, I don't even pretend to know what your power, your influence is on anything. I'll fucking write it myself. But if there's any way to take this man's story, just read the narrative, read what he did. That's a fucking movie, dude. That, 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 that like this, the, the, what that motherfucker did in Iraq at, you know, the, the, we have the army value, we have seven army values, right? Selfless service is one of them. That is the definition of selfless service. When I was a drill sergeant, this is all we would talk about was selfless service. We would always go back to Sergeant First Class, Alan Cash's, his moment, his, his, his moment in Iraq and why he was awarded the Silver Star at the time. And now, fortunately, it's going to be upgraded to a, a Medal of Honor. We're just literally waiting on the signature from the president. But this guy is the epitome. It's the example. It is, that is the fucking movie that I, again, I don't, I don't know what influence you have. You know, I don't you know him. 
Did I know personally? No, I didn't. He, I just know he was from Florida. He's from Oviedo. Uh, again, I'm from Orlando. Oviedo is a, is a suburb just North of us. Um, he was in third infantry division out of Fort Stewart. Uh, but when I was a drill sergeant, like this is this, I was a drill sergeant at Fort Benning in Georgia. And this is just something that it just went around. It made the rounds of the infantry, which is the home of Fort Benning, right? It's the maneuver center. The infantry and the tankers are there. Alwyn Cash was a legend in that community. He still is. Um, but that was something we talked about. So I would say, look, man, if you've got the motivation and the push and the pull and the, the ability to push someone to make a great military fucking movie, make it about Sergeant First Class Alan Cash. Because that motherfucker was a, it like, it doesn't even make sense what he did. It doesn't. It, it, when you read it, you're just like, how does someone this selfless exist? Right. And, uh, and he did. And he was, he was a real human being. It was, it was a real story and it would be great. Um, he was black, so you can't play him. I'm sorry, but well, <laughs> you haven't seen me from the waist down, sir. Woo! There Hello. it is. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Eddie McClintock weighing in under the belts. Glad we finally dropped. Yes. Yeah. So that was that, man. But that's what I wanted to point out because, um, Hey, it, it, maybe it's time for you to produce. I don't know. I don't even know how that so works. Did, they, did, they, did he get the, what, the Silver Star? He was awarded the Silver Star originally, yes. And, and this is posthumously, right? Oh, he was awarded the Silver Star posthumously anyway. Yeah, so the the incident took place in October, and he ended up dying three weeks later, I think, on uh, oh, November okay. 9th. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, he died from his wounds. It did, he didn't die from in the actual uh, event, but he ended up succumbing to his wounds after that point. Uh, he suffered severe burns, like awful. Like he kept running back and forth to rescue his soldiers from a burning Bradley fighting vehicle, an infantry fighting vehicle. Um, so he was on fire. Like he was physically on fire during all this. And he just kept going back. Like the dude is, he's, it, it, if you read it, it doesn't even make sense, man. Like it, humans, that that's not a human thing. That's a fucking, that's, that's the definition of selfless service. Like I said, which is an army value, but the guy just, he, he, he didn't care about anything other than the safety and survival of the men below him. And he is the, he is the epitome of a Sergeant first class as a platoon Sergeant, but he was just a man looking out for his soldiers. And that's what he did. And it's, 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 yeah. it's, 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 you read that narrative of the silver star. I'm telling you, you're going to come away with tears in your eyes, man. Like it's, it's fucking, it's vivid. It really is. Uh, Brink, Brink just sent me the, the other day. Uh, cause I asked him, I was, cause I retweeted about the, when uh, that was it a Senator, she said, you know, my, Oh, Stephanie Murphy, rep Murphy. Yeah. She's our rep in Congress. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Congressional mm -hmm. uh, yep. representative. When she, I retweeted her, <clears throat> thing and then and then so I, I just need to read it but um you know that's that's the thing um I've always been I've always been a um curious about the human condition right and yeah. I think it's one yeah. of the things that that you know lets me be an actor okay mm -hmm. and to me um stuff like that is you know it is the human condition on steroids you know you have the the very best in humanity and you have the very worst in humanity mm -hmm. and which is why i've always found found that <clears throat> found that stuff really compelling you know i mean that that to me is is what life is which is why i've always had 
such great respect for our, you know, our vets, man. Mm. Yeah. No, well, uh, again, uh, I, I was a political science major in my undergrad and there's, there's two things. You got hard power and you got soft power. Soft power is this, this is culture. This is the stuff that you show and display to the rest of the world. And that's why I say, man, look, I, I, I get it. I, I, and I, the only reason I'm bringing it up, Eddie, is because I, I listened to what you've said over this last two hours is, is you've talked about other ways to identify how to you know, so provide for your family, right? Maybe your next point is as a producer. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't, I don't even, I don't pretend to even know how someone in your position moves into that role, but if anyone knows it's you, but that's why I would say like, this is a great example of a story, especially in this climate, in the, in the, in the American politic and just the the, the American people as a whole, because you know what, let's not pretend, and I'm not going to beat around the bush or sugarcoat it. Sergeant, Sergeant first class Alwyn Cash was a black American. All right. No, we're in the, we're in the, we're in the, uh, we are in the climate of where everything is reduced to identity politics, unfortunately. Right. But Sergeant first class Alwyn Cash, if you don't want to stop at American soldier, you can pull back black American soldier. Right. And that's, that's, that plays to everything that was not sold to the American public absolutely accurately or with integrity and and, yeah. and this is a perfect example of a of a man like because you, you don't make this the rank of sergeant first class by default he made that and this was way before the war in iraq so he had already joined the military like he was already in it this wasn't an opportunity for him to you know oh let me, let me. no he was there he performed this action in it like he is the definition of a selfless service american fucking hero and that's why I say like, hey, it, it may just be a story that the United States needs to hear because this is a man, a black American who gave his life. Epitomizes what it means. Absolutely. And the American spirit. Yeah. yeah. And, and unfortunately, I hate to say it, man, but we're at a time where it's like we don't want to acknowledge anything that isn't an identity politics related incident. And I hate that it's come to that. But guess yeah. what? If that's what you want. Look at this fucking example, because this is a man who did that shit and he didn't give a shit about the color of his skin or the color of his soldier skins. He just right. did the right thing as a United States soldier and an American infantryman in the army. And that's what he went out and did. And he's getting his due proper notoriety and respect. And we're going to know that motherfucker's name forever. And we should. Yeah. Well, I have, I have, um, be- because of, you know, not just because he was a, a black American, but because of what, I, and I haven't read it yet, but because yeah. of what he, he say he did, I have a very, um, uh, you know, I guarantee that someone way above my pay grade mm-hmm. is gonna, is going to make that movie. I, I sure as fuck. You know, I mean, so, you could see, you could see someone like, um, uh, I mean, Michael B. Jordan could make that movie. Yeah. Hey, number 80 on that list. <laughs> I could, and maybe number I could, 80, I bro. Could. Hey, reach out to him. I'm sure you got like a, you, don't you guys get like a published like screen names? You can just text each other. No, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, uh, but yeah. yeah. No, that's right. Hey, I ain't going to lie. I could be the Darn. disgruntled colonel back, uh, you know, in the rear with the gear. 
something. Sergeant first class Alwyn Cash, I think at the time where the incident took place, he was 35 years old. Oh, there you go. So that could very well be a Michael B. Jordan thing. Um, but whatever. There, there, there are, there's, as you probably know, there's plenty of fucking black actors who could pull this shit off, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But still, like, man, I think that what this country need is we need something to unify us and pull us together. And I get it. The COVID thing is very real in terms of your industry. Uh, like I went to one movie a few months ago, it's probably two months ago. And I mean, the movie was sucked, but what, what was it? Uh, honestly, dude, I don't even remember. It was, I'm going to look it up because I want to give you the name. Uh, it was some like international espionage spy fucking thing. I'm trying to remember. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna Google a random search of like spy movies 2020. Let's see what comes up. Um, it, no, it wasn't any of those. Yeah, but uh, the point is like there's like no one's going to movies, right? Yeah. I don't even know if you guys are fucking filming them, but the fact yeah. is, it's like we need to get back to a point in this country where there's some sort of you know feeling and sense of normality and and that's a fucking perfect story that this country should see. They should see that. Like, look, you know what most people, and I hate this because the, the, the line of work for the army that I'm in, the people that I target, they are, they weren't alive or they right. were being born at the year after nine 11, but they were being born in the year of the Iraq evasion. Right. I guess the crux of my fucking career, like that, like that was the first major thing I did was the Iraq invasion. Like that's what I was a part of. We're, 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 we're recruiting a generation of people who weren't even alive for that at this point. And so that's why I'm saying like, you show people this story, dude, you're going to, you're going to wake people up to the reality of what the fuck's been going on in the middle East for the last 20 fucking years. Yeah. It's going on. It's counter to the narrative, man. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, what I've, as a civilian, like uh, what I've always read is in, during combat, no, you know, American soldiers don't care about color. They're brothers. Period. Huh, you, yeah, exactly. Period. And uh, all that other societal bullshit is, um, it doesn't matter because you're there to support your brother. Mm-hmm. so yeah i mean that's what this country needs it needs to i mean we need to like we need to show each other that we're that we're stronger together than we are separate you know you would think that that wouldn't be that hard man like that's what that's that's my issue with now and that's why i say i still tie it back to um i don't think social media is real I don't think it's a real reflection of our society as a whole based on the fact that just, I know my everyday interactions. I don't know what you do, but I, I, I'm, I am in the community every day and I can get on the internet and I can view social media as essentially it's road rage, but everybody has it. Everybody is given the middle finger to everybody on the super highway with them. Right. That's right. what it is. It's road rage. But when I go out in the real world and I talk to my neighbors or I, I, I talk to people in a store or whatever, we're good, man. Like yeah. social media has been designed either 
on purpose or by def- <laughs> maybe not, but I one know, way or the yeah, other, I know what you're saying. It, it's leading to the actual obvious depiction that like, look, man, this is what you're making the worst seem like the normal and it's not. Right. It's just people. It's just people shouting and not listening. No one's listening to the other person. Not at all. It's just somebody giving their opinion and then, Except for me, I'm telling fart jokes and drawing dicks. Can you give us a fart joke? Because you haven't given us one yet. I'm pretty disappointed. Um, I got a dad joke for you when you're done, too. Yeah, As I try to find this movie first. On the spot. Uh, good well, fart joke. You, you asked for it. You're, know, maybe I put I, you on I, the I, spot. I, you're I, fucking I, Eddie I, McClintock. You know who the fuck you are? <laughs> Don't you know who I think I am? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Tell me your joke and I'll try and make it. All right. It. So how do you make, how do you make a waterbed more bouncy? Yeah. You don't know, do you? I know. Yeah, you add fucking spring water, Eddie. You add spring water. Oh, oh. oh. Woo! oh. Here, I, here I've got one. Uh, what did Cinderella say when she got to the ball? I don't know what it's. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still trying to find that movie for those of us not uh, who missed Eddie's joke. If you have, if you missed Eddie's joke, please rewind to the yeah, rewind to that point, and you'll get it. <clears throat> what was the what was the international like spy movie? There was a there was a black actor in it. He's a big part of it. It just came out like three months ago. Tenant? Tenant? Yes, I think. Tenant, yeah, I think it was it. That movie yeah. sucked. We left. Maddie was, and I got it, up. It, it's told backwards. Let me, uh, hold on. Tenant movie. Was it Tenant? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maddie and I got up at like the hour mark and we're like, yo, we're this sucks. We left. That's the movie though. You're right. You nailed it. Tenant. I think it's, it's the same guy that did, um, uh, oh, he, he does that weird singer. Is it, is it singer? The director? John. Uh, not I don't John, know. John singer, not John I don't know, but yeah, tenant absolutely was the movie. Uh, and I, I, I would hate for it to all make sense like five minutes after we left, but it took too long. Like it's, it was bad. First movie back when the theaters opened and everything, man, it was, you know, my wife and I, um, that's our thing. I mean, since, since we've gotten married, like on the weekends and since we had kids, you know, it's like, that's our weekend date. We, yeah. we, we go to eat dinner and then we go to the movies and it's been <clears throat> thin. thin. Is your wife, is your wife, is she an actress? No, no. Okay. Uh, all right. So cool. Let me, let me, th- this plays perfectly into my next question. What's like your greatest celebrity moment for you that you've, like, holy shit is fucking Eddie McClintock. You got one of those or what? Oh, when someone was that way about me? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, this is the, this is the, the greatest compliment. Okay. I've Here ever been paid as an actor and possibly the greatest compliment <laughs> I've ever been paid as a human. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm at a convention up in Denver. Young kid comes up to me and um, 
he's uh, he's uh, talking, you know, because I do these conventions. Have you ever been to like a sci-fi convention or whatever? Uh, no, I've driven by him in Vegas though for the Comic Con. I've driven yeah, by yeah. in Orlando. Yeah, I've seen him. So you, you know, you know, <laughs> and, and I had this kid come up, and he's standing there. He's talking to me. He's talking about <clears throat> Warehouse Thirteen and how much he liked Warehouse Thirteen, and and then um, he told me he was uh, a United States Marine. And um, he was part of a sniper unit, a sniper platoon, I guess. I, I don't know. I, should, I, sh I wish I knew more specifically. Yeah. But he was uh -huh. a sniper. He, um, he stepped over a remotely uh, detonated IED and, um, and had to get you know, medevaced out, almost lost both of his legs, um, was in the hospital he said for a couple of years um no maybe it wasn't that long i have the actual story he wrote it all down for me <clears throat> excuse me but um it spent at least a year in the hospital having surgeries and he said you know i watched warehouse 13 um and you you uh you kept me alive mm -hmm. and um yeah. and i was like you know his name is Daniel. I was like, Danny, thanks, man. That's, uh, that's pretty heavy. Thank you. The next day came back and he was like, I want, I want you to have something. And uh, I was like, well, what do you got? And he gives me his purple heart. Holy and, fuck. um, and I said, Danny, look, man, I'm, I'm, you know, that, that should go to your, yeah. That should go to your parents or you know your your wife when you get married someday. And and I was, uh, you know, I'm just just so honored by that. And he goes, he goes, no man, it's okay because um, because I got blown up in this was in Afghanistan. He goes, um, I got blown up in Iraq too. So <laughs> he's got his. Own. Uh, he had two purple hearts, but he gave me. You know, he was like, I I want you to have it. You know, and yeah, I've had yeah. people say to me, you shouldn't have taken it. And I, and I, and I'm just like, look, if this kid wanted me to have his purple heart, to me, it would have been an insult not to yeah. take it. And uh, so I have it upstairs in our safe. And um, every year on his alive day, <clears throat> I, um, I shoot him a little, you know, thing on Facebook, just saying, you know, glad you're still around and hope you're doing well. But that's awesome, man. I mean, that that that's the greatest um, celebrity yeah. moment I've ever had. Well, I'm gonna give you one more because, as like I said, you you have kind of you you found yourself in the middle of our our goon shit, and I don't think Braxton was on there yet. Are are you familiar with Braxton McCoy yet? Yeah, I I, I want to read uh, um, that book, uh, The Glass, Glass Factory, right? Yeah, you got the yeah. book? Uh, not yet. I um, Brinks sent it to me. Okay, perfect. Because at the same time, look, I, I told you the Sarn Cash story. Look, it, it's not just uh, a product of this and these wars, whether it's the global war on terrorism, whether it's the war in Iraq, it's Operation Enduring Freedom in fucking Afghanistan, whatever it is. Like, all, it, yes, there's tons of stories to come out of that. It, that stories have come out of the military and our, our experiences throughout history of Hollywood. But I, I have said this since I read his book, since I've talked to the man, like that motherfucker Braxton is a great writer. And that book 
it's going, it, it will fucking floor you and, and getting to talk to you as we have over the last like hour and a half, two hours or whatever. I, I, I feel like you have the personality and the, the heart that you'll respond in the way that I'm describing it. Like when you read this book, it doesn't matter whether you were in the military or not, you will be fucking floored over the just brutal honesty that is Braxton and how he writes. This is an absolute, another fucking book and story that should be a movie, man. Like Americans need to know who these men are. I agree. You know, whether it's Sergeant Cash or it's our first class cat or, or, or it's Braxton and his time at the glass factory in Ramadi in Iraq. And he talks about, you know, some of the other men and that he served with, like, it's there, man. It's all written in vivid detail. The fucking script's there. Just do whatever it is you guys do and, and fine tune it and give yourself some dialogue, but you don't even have to do anything. It's right there in that, in those pages. And that's why I say, man, like, I'm glad you're getting it and Brink sending it to you. But when you read that, dude, this is the, like, that book is brutal fucking honesty. It, it's, 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 you don't have to be in the military to have to, to have read that and, and like immediately look into yourself introspectively and be like, yo, and, and your story, man, like you've overcome an addiction. Like you'll, you'll, you will identify wholeheartedly with what Braxton describes in that book. Cause he went through an addiction after his, okay. his injury. Like I, I read, I went to Amazon and I read the um, you know, the, the liner, I guess. Yeah. And then I, I po- I wrote to him and said, you know, I'm going to get your book and read it. And, and uh, you know, he, re- he responded and then, I don't know, he posted something um, about his septic system back, backed up. So I yeah. sent him that. I sent him that that uh, gif of uh, from from uh, vacation where he goes mm-hmm. where he's something he goes shit shitters full yeah. uh, and he was like he like he was like dude we should be friends you know like because yeah. and I know and I know that kind of guy you know it's like we I was talking about yeah. earlier you know he's he he's um, the, the sign you know he's a Anyway, I, he, I, he's I, just a dude, I, man. Like he I get it. It's I get it. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. he's, but he's, he's been every- through all that, but he still appreciates. Yeah, he Braxton's an everyman, man. He he's yeah. an everyman. He he's got a great sense of humor. He's very, uh, he he's self-deprecating. I know it's something you talked about earlier, where your agent doesn't like you doing that. But Braxton's probably the most humble dude I've ever come across. Like. He doesn't take any of that for granted, but he also doesn't take any of it as like anything special. And we know better, but Braxton's like, it's just another day, man. I lived through it and and I wrote this book about it and I've overcome it. And this is what I do now. And like, I mean, it's great. Like, but these are the things, man, like we are missing an opportunity in our culture. We're missing an opportunity in culture because I go back to soft power, right? Right. We're, we're missing the opportunity to use soft power on our own people and let them understand like, Hey, these are the men who've come out of this fucking war. Cause you and I, you know, man, we're I, yeah, you're older than me, but we both kind of grew up with the same movies. We grew up with certain stories we could identify with from Hollywood. Yeah. We're not getting that anymore, man. We're getting force fed, whatever it is. You know, it's not the same that there is a place for it. I got it. I, I would never like, I'm not trying to change Hollywood, but at the same time, there's still, there should be that segment who's paying attention to what went on 
over the last damn near fucking 20 years. And there's so many stories that they could tell. And these own men's books write the fucking script. They do. You don't have to do anything <laughs> except find well, the people you, know, you want to they, cast. They just, they just made uh, uh, Clint Romache's story. Was it? Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, the guy in my office. You don't. You don't know this, but one of the guys in my office. He was a private first class. He was in that battle. He's in that book. You know, Nicholas Davidson. He's he's an E six staff sergeant now, but he was a private first class, nineteen years old from Northern California up on Murder Mountain. If you saw that documentary on Netflix, like he was in that. Yeah, he was in the outpost. That, he's is in that the book. Restrepo. Yeah, no, no, not Restrepo. Uh, Cop Keating, the outpost. That's right, right, right. Wrote, and then the one with Clinton. But Restrepo is another one. That's a great documentary, but. Dude, the guy in Restrepo was my interpreter in Afghanistan in 2013, 2014. His family's in Sacramento. Like, it's such a small world. And like, when I read about Restrepo and I listen to that story, like, that's AJ. Like, that's how I know him. His name's AJ to us. Like, the, sh the dude tore his ACL in that battle in fucking Restrepo. Like, he went through so much. The Taliban killed his dad and his uncle. He's got a scar on his face from being knifed. Like, it's all right there. You've got blockbusters galore. Like it's right you know, there. I, I can say a, a book like uh, the glass factory. Is that, is that? Yeah. Braxton's yeah. book, glass factory. Um, you know, um, like Alan's story um, probably um, because it's so well known. Yeah. Like I said, it probably would have somebody like, um, you know, huge, huge name attached to mm -hmm. it, but, because um, Braxton's story is, is in his book is not as <clears throat> well known at this point. I mean, I, I, I honestly think there is an opportunity for me. I mean, I would have to read it first before yeah. I take it to my buddy. Yeah, but absolutely. Um, my buddy, um, uh, he just wrote a script about the frozen chosen, you know? My grandfather um, was in that. It, it, yeah, yeah, man. Like, exactly. Like sh that's not even been done yet. And that's 70 fucking years old. And it's yeah. like, yes, my grandfather was in that. I mean, I just posted the picture of in my grand. I lost my grandfather a year ago on the 15th, but he was in Korea and he was in the frozen chosen and pork chop Hill and all that shit, man. Like his first night, he tells the story. Like we got overrun and I was on the 50 cal my first night in Korea. Like, I'm like, yeah, I don't got cool stories like that. It just, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I just don't got them. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, 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 um, it, I agree, man. I, I would love. I mean, that's my, that's my, uh, that would be my ultimate dream job is to do a a a war film that that doesn't have a political agenda that is is merely there to tell the story yeah. of the brothers so the i just brothers. thought i just thought of the character that you could do in the glass factory because braxton kind of the way reading about it the way he wrote about him but also when i talked to him and did the podcast with him like he revered the man that much was colonel mack he was the lieutenant colonel on the ground at the time who usually wasn't there but he was there that day and unfortunately he passed in that incident um it might be a great role for you to play honestly because he was so someone he, his, uh, was it his a uh, humvee or bradley that got no no he was on the ground he was on foot they were they were at literally the glass factory describes the position that they were at they were at an actual glass factory they were taking applications for i believe the police in the iraq um and it was 
it, like it, it was more of a, it was, it was formality at this point because the application process had closed. It was like two or three days after all this had closed. So they were doing it for no reason other than I get, let's go do it, but nothing was going to come out of it. And unfortunately there was a suicide bomber with a, a suicide vest in the crowd. Um, and that's what, you know, he describes as uh, they identified this individual and it was too late at the time, essentially. And uh, Colonel Mack was there on site. There was a Marine Corps dog handler who, who lost his life that he describes in great detail, who was a very good person to him. Uh, ironically, the dog survived just based on the, the blast and the, the, the height of the blast right, and everything. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's an amazing story. But I mean, I would just say like, it, once you read it, Colonel Mack, man, that might be, you know, and I'll, I'll hit up Braxton after this and let him know that I, I mentioned it to you. But like, these are things, man, that are there. And it's just uh, United, the, our, our countrymen need to know these stories because we're losing it. We're yeah. losing it, man. Like, I, you know, I agree. There was a ton of movies made in the early 2000s, right? From like 2003 to 2010. I think there were a lot of movies made, whether it was Jarhead or, or, or all those things. Like stuff was made, Fahrenheit 9-11, whatever it was, whether it was positive or negative, movies were being made in the 2010s. Yeah. But nothing's really been made since then. And I, I think we've got really good stories that we could draw back on and, and highlight. And, uh, you know, if it's well, something especially, you can... especially, you know, like, uh, there's this, um, idea that, that, that was the bad war, you know? Right. That, you know, there, there's, yeah. um, it didn't start that way though. No, no, no. It, um, yeah. I mean, I, I can't wait to read it. I look forward to it. I'm, yeah. I'm re right now I'm reading a book called whiskey tango foxtrot. That is about, um, yeah, I've heard about it. it it's about uh, Mac D. Sog in, I think, 769, 70. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard about it. And uh, it's, it's good so far. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, and, and you'll see it. I mean, now that you're hanging out with us once a week on this goon shit, but not all these guys make it on there. But even in our chat, man, I, I, you know, I did a podcast with Javier Mackie, a, a retired Green Beret who was there with the Sergeant Miller who got the Medal of Honor in Afghanistan. He was there with them. Um, I did one with, with Joe Kent, whose wife, you know, Shannon Kent. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, man, we've been, man, we've got such a great little group of people. And like, that's another one, like Shannon Kent, like, I don't know how many yeah. fucking virtue signals do you want? And then not to make her story about that, but this is the oh, first fucking woman who right. was special operations and did all that shit with them. And then on top of that, her husband, Joe is a fucking badass motherfucking green bread at his own right. Like these are the great, this, this is the greatest people our country has to offer. And these are the stories that got to be told, man. And I, I feel I don't even know why I'm getting an opportunity to talk to these people. I don't deserve it. I really don't. But I, the fact that I've gotten to know them and, and, and I've been able to record these stories and they're there for as long as YouTube is dumb enough to host this shit. I think it's great. I really do. I love it. Like, I, cause yeah, you know, I'm yeah, fucking, of course, man. a few hundred people listen to this shit. I'm, I'm not Joe Rogan, but just be able to, to, to put it out there and let people be able to see it if they find it like the, but for a man like yourself in the line of work that you are in, man, like, there's so much you can pull from and you could, and I get it. You, you, you've immersed yourself into this because you feel like this is where you belong, but this may be an opportunity, man. Like I said, like to just 
throw yourself behind these stories and see what could happen with them because fuck it, produce them, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I gotta tell you, I, when, when I showed up at, uh, at, at goon Twitter, today, <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's like, look to me, guys like that, they're the rock stars, man. You know, that, those are the guys that, that, that I, that I truly admire, you know? So I feel kind of weird sitting in there. I'm like, what am I doing here? Hollywood sci-fi guy sitting in this hey, man. You know, chat room with a bunch of, you know, people who actually said, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, put my money where my mouth is when it comes to the defense of my, my country. And, you know, like as, as a civilian, I, I've always wondered, like, all my, all my life, I've wondered, like, how would I have been, you know, would I have made my father proud? Yeah. And so, you know, my hat always goes off to you guys and, and, uh, you know, regardless of whether or not you feel that you did nothing or, you know, you didn't do what these other guys did. There's a, there's a level of respect that, that, that I feel in regards to, you know, uh, all you guys. So I, I appreciate you having me on and yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate being invited into the uh, the goon. Group. Yeah, uh, I hope we see you tomorrow because we're, we're it's coming yeah. up. I'll, I'll it's coming be up. There. All right, I'll that's the right fucking answer. We're gonna do this shit tomorrow, but um, I feel like we we we've touched on just about everything. Let me let me double check real quick on my little notes. Uh, we don't know who the fuck Matt Bomber was or Bomer, who was the number one sexiest man alive at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> real quick, let's close it out with this. So you were a wrestler in yeah. college, right? Yeah. Uh, what, what, what was your greatest wrestling moment? Like, you got one? It, whatever. It doesn't even have to be college, man. If you fucking tune someone up in high school, whatever. Um, if you, if you won in well, nine this, seconds, this, whatever. This is, how, this is how I ended my, this is how I ended my career. Um, <laughs> okay, here we go. In college. Uh, when I was in high school, there was a, a kid that was a year older and then he had um, a brother that was a few years older and they didn't like me. They didn't like me. And his, the older brother used to fuck with me. And, um, and then the, the one dude, the one brother, you know, used to talk shit about me and whatever. So he went away to college and then I ended up going down to, to that, to Wright state. That's where he was. <laughs> and um and and i guess we kind of made a mea culpa you know he he um he chilled out on me and we ended up being roommates oh shit um, yeah and um <laughs> and we wrestled together but he kind of he kind of went back to being um the same guy that that he was before uh we had made friends and so my last year we had to wrestle off um, to to make first team, and uh, I I whipped his ass pretty good. Nice. And, and, uh, <laughs> ah. and I and I and I to me I was just like, you know I'm I'm good there. Yeah. That, that's that's good for me. Where know? is he now? Have you looked? Yeah, you know we stay in touch. Oh, that's um, good. Ish, you know, on yeah. Facebook when I, you know yeah. whatever. I, I don't have. You know, I'm I'm too old for to hold on to that shit. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You know, he's, he's back in Ohio. He's, he's a wrestling coach, a high school wrestling coach. And 
I, I think he's, you know, he's a decent guy and everything. I have nothing against him, but right. I, I'll tell you, it felt damn good to fucking whip his ass. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so there you go. That that's, that's Eddie McClintock. All right. If you've, uh, if you look, I, I read off a list of things that we all need to get caught up on. I told you, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to increase that. If it's only for a month, we're going to increase that royalties or residual. That's right. That's right. Give me a residual. Yeah. So we'll hit that up. So Eddie McClintock, remember Disney plus is coming. All right. We got the mighty ducks with Emilio Estevez from the original movie. So get ready for that. If you're a Disney plus subscriber, if you're not, you need to be. Um, and then, like I said, uh, if you're a goon, we'll see you uh, tomorrow night. If you're not, figure it out, man. We'll, we'll, we'll get you in here. But, Eddie, I appreciate you sitting in here with me, man, and, and, and spending some time with me. All right. Thanks, Eric. It was a yeah. pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm going to stop this right. time now.